This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. Oh, uh, I'm RJ. And we're just two, <laughs> two guys who have no other choice now. We're going to creep our way through the Criterion Collection once by number at a time. In order to release this week, we spent over five hours watching pre-1950s Soviet-era mm. propaganda in the name of podcasting, as it is Eisenstein week. Spines 86, mm. 87, and 88 of the Criterion Collection, comprising the Eisenstein, the Sound Years box set, uh, is the topic of the week. And we'll be talking about those tonight. But first, RJ, it's December. Was it not December last week when we did a show? Shh, nope. <sighs> what? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have a calendar. <laughs> Well, what does this mean? What does this mean for us? I don't know, man. It's like the end of the year. As people. It's, it, 2017 is wrapping up. Is this good or is this bad? Uh, it's It doesn't matter. There's like it, It's just a demarcation. It doesn't mean shit. Oh. People get drunk. Well, I mean, it'll give you an excuse uh, that you don't need to get drunk at the end of the year. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you mean excuse? <laughs> I don't I don't need any excuse to drink my, yeah. my woes away. Yeah. Uh, are you uh, excited for Christmas spirit? It's like not very Christmassy. We d- we don't have any snow. None. Man, that Al Gore was right, hey. Mm-hmm. Things are heating it's up. A, it's a weird. Los Angeles is on fire. Uh huh. Alberta's got no snow. Nope. Chaos. Chaos. Chaos in the streets. No. Nope. Do you? Uh, we could talk about this at a later episode. But do you like Christmas? We talked about this last year, my friend. Oh, well, we're running out of uh, <laughs> we're running out of things to talk about. I know. Here, wait, let me get some uh, some motivation here. Yeah, I, I'll chalk it up to the fact that you're uh, probably a little soft in the brain after working all day out in the elements. Yeah, I was inside for most of the day in the ring, but oh. in the yeah, as- Wednesday- in, in the asbestos house. No, there's no asbestos. <laughs> Where did you hear that? Who told you that? Uh, I saw the reports. What reports? <laughs> no such report has been issued. No. Yeah, yeah, I know what happens at Chateau Duncan. Yeah, they're shutting asbestos. down. They're shutting down the uh, the Cow Palace, oh, buddy. You want to know something? Actually, we had to we had to put up a sign today. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna message you this sign, and then you can you can uh, share with people. We had to put up uh, a handwritten sign at Baylog Auction today because. There's been a situation that has been developing over the last few weeks. Oh um, hey, I'm still waiting for the radio jingle, dude. I told you, wake up at 6 a.m. and get it off of uh, Country 95 yourself. So, so, look, so you 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 put up a sign. See, when I hear that, I hear uh, <laughs> I, I I hear uh, this is totally real. <laughs> this is totally I see, real. Well, I think everyone might have assumed that we had to put a sign up oh front of the building. Oh no! No 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 no! Uh, the photo that I just been sent uh, is clearly from the view that uh, it's from the male perspective of because mm-hmm. uh, it's a men's bathroom. Uh, like if yeah. you're about to approach a urinal and uh, attached to like the little uh, board, I guess, where people put advertisements as you just stare yep. off into the distance. Uh, there's a piece of cardboard, maybe. <laughs> yep. Uh, With uh, some gorilla tape. Yeah, gorilla tape attached to it, and uh, in perhaps sharpie marker, it is mm-hmm. written. No shitting in the urinal, please. That's totally real. We had to put that sign up today because the cleaning <laughs> lady the cleaning lady texted us this morning. We had no idea this was going on. And uh, she was like, because uh, late at night, the, the um, 
the custodian comes and cleans out the pavilion and the sales ring where we have our sales and stuff. Some of these sales get pretty big. Uh, like in the last couple of weeks, we've had a few that have had like a couple hundred people there. So we got pretty heavy traffic, right? Cleaning lady comes in at night when they're all gone. And this morning, she uh, texted uh, the um, the administrative office and she said, uh, I just need you guys to know about this. This has happened three times. I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> Um, is like, I won't clean it up anymore if it happens again. What's wrong she, with you people? It's not us. It's not us. We have nothing to do with it. Um, it's someone who's been frequenting our uh, establishment, I feel. Now, this is uh, this is complete um, speculation, but I feel that it is, could be um, a someone who has a grudge, and they're trying to make a statement. And they're coming in, and they're, they're dropping, dropping hot ones in the urinal, uh, as I don't know, some sort of payback or retribution for something, or maybe they, maybe they're just sour. So I'm gonna post this on Instagram. Or, okay, maybe. Yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, it could have been a kid too. So I mean, like if someone had a problem and it was emergency and they just couldn't wait, you know what happens? But it happened three times. So <laughs> I feel like it's it's targeted. And it, um, they're trying to say something. So <laughs> they're trying to send a message. They're trying to send a message. That's that's a hundred percent real, though. We had, I had to go in this morning into the men's bathroom and hang that sign up. <laughs> so, um, that's how my week has been going. <laughs> what about you? Um. Well, uh, I went for my walk, RJ. Uh, yeah. my Wednesday walk that I go for uh, and on that walk it's a lengthy one uh, at the end of mm-hmm. it I get taco time what, oh my, my, I thought that was a Tuesday kind of thing oh no that's Wednesday my friend so uh, I, I walk there and I get myself a, a burrito um, yeah today as I walked up to the door after walking 25 minutes I see two other dudes heading toward the door in front of me and I see oh, they, no. they stop at the door and they're reading a sign um, oh no! I, I do not. I this sign does not say no shitting, uh, but it does say <laughs> oh, that they're they're closed because they have to install like video screens. So hmm. no burritos for Jarrett. <laughs> so what did you do instead of getting a burrito? Well, I angrily continued my walk loop, and I walked yeah. all the way around with an empty stomach, trying to think about what am I going to do. Yeah, and uh, so I get back to work, and I decided, fuck it, I'm gonna drive over, and I'm gonna get a burrito from a place called Freshy, which I have not been for a while. Yeah, but that place, uh, they got no seasoning, they got no spunk. You know what I mean? You should have driven across town to the other taco time. Uh yeah, it's not like I have, I have, yeah, I've, I've never done that before because that'd be really sad. To, hey, to you know that. what? Uh, really sad. By the way, to do that. I like the. I never week. asked how your. Hey, shut up. I'm talking. A man is talking here. <laughs> um, how was your burrito from Freshy? It, it was okay. Uh, I had a du- just doused it with sriracha sauce. Um, okay. Because, but yeah, they don't season their stuff there, eh? Yeah. Eh? Eh? Uh, I'm sure that only one one or two local pe- listeners will care, but uh, there's a new restaurant right beside that Freshy called Mama La, oh, which is real good. My sister, you there. my sister messaged me about it. And uh, I was to go to Mamala. Uh, yes, she said it was good. And then mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, maybe I'll go there on Friday when I maybe go for lunch with a certain somebody. It's possible if that someone uh, doesn't st- stand you up like mm-hmm. other occasions. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know who this person is. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, me and Andrea, uh, we went uh, like a week ago. I got a noodle bowl mm-hmm. and she got a Vietnamese sub and they were both very good. Okay. So we'll see. Uh, report back next week. We'll see if um, we if you uh, made it to Mama La yeah. or not. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was like the, the big story of my day. Just just a disappointment, which is uh, mm-hmm. par for the course. Um, but RJ, Yo. We, we we got some email. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. From who? Uh, from Oliver, our man in New Zealand. All right, um, our, our man on the inside track yeah. on all things Kiwi. Yes, and he was writing in regards to my open question about Canadian film and its Ooh, uh, mm-hmm. reputation beyond our borders. Um, oh. And it boils down to, apart from Cronenberg, do you have a film industry? <laughs> Fair hey, enough. But so we we talked about this a week ago because mm. uh, when I um, after we recorded the episode, I was like, wait a minute, there's tons of Canadian filmmakers. There like, are. But, filmmakers yeah so okay i mean uh, he he might have been being facetious but maybe <laughs> he's like what do, do, Honest, does canada yeah. really have a film industry um well I, I think we've got like eight or nine movies in the criterion collection to new zealand's yep. two uh, uh take that yeah. <laughs> um what's his name oliver yeah you jerk uh and that's like to i think south africa's none um oh okay actually, actually Josh, when you're listening to this, I would love to know, does South Africa have a film industry? Um, yeah, Neil Blancamp. Yeah, that's about it. Like, other than, mm-hmm. like, him. And there's, like, uh, there's like this, like, weird, like, movie I, I downloaded that I never watched called something. Uh, that's, like, it's not very much. It's, like, a, it's a small little field. But I'm not sure if it's just stuff that doesn't mm-hmm. escape past its borders because there's, like, no distribution for it. Uh, but anyway, so... Uh, Oliver continues. He just kind of names off some of the movies that he has seen. Uh, oh, Black Christmas mm-hmm. was cool. And then there was uh, American Mary, which sucked, which uh, you currently have my copy of in your possession. And which I will never watch, but I'm keeping it. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I've only been keeping track of movies since 2013. So here are the following Canadian films, uh, which have been like credited at least. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Seth's Dominion, which is a documentary about cartoonist Seth. Uh, one of oh, yeah. one of our best comic artists, uh, he says, and you yeah, met that guy I, once, I, didn't I, you? I, I sure did. I got to hang out with him while he was uh, doing a art show here at the university, and I Neat. got to go for dinner with him a few times. He's uh, mm-hmm. he, he's exactly the way you'd imagine him to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gate, which he says RJ would like this, and it's probably accurate. I think he would probably like The Gate. Is that uh, the one with the little demons? Yes, it is. Yeah, I've seen that movie. The movie rules. Yeah. Um, yep. Crash, which shows like the Cronenberg uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, I guess the recent movie Colossal must have gotten some Canadian funding. Uh, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't really call that. As did The Babadook. And according to Oliver, apparently Canada provided more backing than Australia, which is... Really? Yeah. I thought Australia had that thing where like if you make a movie there, they just pay for it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, oh, maybe sounds pretty sweet if it's yeah. true. Uh, let's see here. Then it's like it's, a lot of it's just horror movies. Like that's kind of like yeah. uh, kind of what we we did. And a lot of that stuff was like probably from the eighties. Uh, Comic Book Confidential, that uh, mm-hmm. like early documentary on like kind of uh, independent. Uh, have you did you ever see that? The Comic Book Confidential uh, it sounds familiar. It used to air on show yeah. Showtime showcase all the time like that's when i saw yeah. it they played it every once in a while uh but yeah it's about like kind of like the 
indie art house comic scene, which like right. uh, are all the usual dudes, your Charles Burns's and uh, Crumbs and whatnot, Frank Miller, mm-hmm. and they all do like, oh, uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty cheeseball because there's like uh, where they're reading their own comics, so they have like their voiceovers mm-hmm. over the stills. But yeah, there is that. It's, uh, I guess that's a national film board mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, and then Incendies, yes, the the uh, Franco-Canadian, uh, Denis Venenu. Your favorite director? My favorite director. You know, actually, mm-hmm. t- uh, today is the anniversary of Polytechnique uh, shooting, ah. and uh, I've actually still never watched that movie. Maybe I should watch that tonight. Or if not, I'll watch it soon, because I have that and Incendies both to watch from his uh, filmography, mm-hmm. and we'll find out how I feel about his earlier stuff. Um, and then uh, Oliver reminded me uh, of Beyond the Black Rainbow. Oh, God. Yeah. That's not Canadian, is it? It sure is. Uh, oh, what an asshole. Yeah, Pan Cosmatos. Uh, <laughs> what is? It? What kind of name is that? Uh, I don't know. He's, it's a Greek. He's the son of George Cosmatos, who directed the classic film Cobra. <laughs> oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but yeah, Beyond the Black Rainbow, I believe... Uh, friend of mine and listener of the show uh mike he's planning on watching it soon he thought it Mm -hmm. looked cool and i said you should definitely watch it because uh it's very divisive um Mm -hmm. like i know that you and i are not fans but there's like a lot of people who seem to really like it so we'll see what he thinks maybe he'll Mm -hmm. let us know uh enemy stories we tell which is the uh sarah Pauly one uh, yeah, she's, she's big time. Splice. Oh, Splice. Ooh, yeah. That's been on my watch list for a while. Uh, Antiviral, uh, directed mm-hmm. by Cronenberg uh, Jr. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He and, was trying for a while. And uh, Manborg. Um, Manborg, eh? Which is an Astron 6 movie. Those That weird little film collective out of Winnipeg that just makes these like hmm. su- ultra-cheap genre movies that... Uh, I'll talk about in a little bit when we talk about what we've been creeping on because I watched one of their movies again. Hmm, interesting. Um, so, yeah, thanks for the feedback, Oliver. Um, it pretty well is in line with what I expect. Most people don't even know that they've watched a Canadian movie other than mm-hmm. unless they know it's David Cronenberg well, or uh, the other guys. Our other boy uh, that's, like, I guess internationally known would be Adam McGoyan. Um, but beyond that, it's well, like... Usually they once once they leave Canada they settle out and then they uh, denounce their citizenship like James Cameron. Cameron, yeah. Well, what a dink, eh? And Jim Carrey and uh, I don't think Jim Carrey denounced it. He mm. he claims he has dual citizenship. Ah, it's yeah. a tax for, thing. Okay? It's for, yeah, it's a tax dodge. Yeah. It's a tax thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's uh, the biggest thing is uh, there there are a bunch of Canadian filmmakers, but they all leave like Denny Villeneuve and James Cameron. Well, and your buddy Ivan Reitman, but uh, Sarah Pauly, I think, still makes movies in mm-hmm. Canada. Well, then there's like the odd cases where like uh, American filmmakers come to Canada and like call it a day. Like George Romero spent the, his like last few movies being made in Canada because he could get them done <laughs> yeah. here. But I, I was gonna say too, like there's a ton of movies made in Canada because oh, yeah. it's cheaper for them. Doesn't uh, your buddy Guillermo del Toro live in Toronto? Uh, a lot of his stuff yeah, or between had, Toronto and LA. Yeah. He's got a place, I think in Tirana. Tirana. Yeah. So, uh, we got one. Yeah. We got one. Nice. Uh, yeah. Well, Hey RJ. Yo. What you been creeping on? Uh, not a whole lot to be honest. Mm-hmm. Just a few things. You had to spend a lot of time watching these, uh, these Eisensteins. That's very true. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, uh, there wasn't a lot of time to creep when you watch like 100 hours of Russian cinema. Yep. But uh, I did get two in, 
And um, I was going to tell you about Joe Hill's book. Oh, I know, do to it. Fill in, to fill in the time. Uh, so <laughs> the um, this is the 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 mass disappointment of the new oh. Joe Hill book. Um, so he had a book come out last month called Strange Weather, and it's a short story collection. And uh, if anyone's new to the show, I talk about books sometimes. It's cool. It's cool. Like Joe Hill and Stephen yeah. King and uh, Tabitha and Owen, you know. Very diverse group of reading. Um, so it's short stories. And uh, I read the first one, and I was like, okay. And then I read the second one, and I was like, uh, I don't know. And then I read the third and the fourth one, and I was just like, my God. So mm-hmm. I think two of them were written like a long time ago, like 10 years ago, and they were published as short stories, and this is just a collection, right? Like, you know they do. But uh, they're not good, man. Um, I don't... I was really disappointed because I really like Joe Hill. And this book, uh, the last one I read, Nosferatu, I didn't like of his that much. Um, Fireman. The Fireman, Fireman. Fireman is good, but uh, I think it leaves... Um, you, you finish it on a flat note. It just kind of ends, and it's like he didn't really know what to do with it. Uh, but So Strange Weather, it's four stories. First one is called um, Snapshot. And it's kind of like a Tales from the Dark Side or a Tales from the Crypt kind of story about a, a guy with a Polaroid camera. And when he takes a picture of you, he takes one of your memories. And it was like, it was okay. Uh, I was just, by the time I was halfway through, I was like, okay, I really want this to be over. Just go to the next one. Uh, the second story is called Loaded. And it's about American gun culture, uh, about uh, the love of guns. And, and it was it was really weird. Like it started out and uh, he it was like really short chapters, like five pages each. Um, and they were like it seemed like they were different time eras and different people. And they didn't seem connected at all. And I was like, what is he doing? I thought like the whole sh- like short novel was going to be a bunch of little stories about like guns in America. And I was like, Oh, this sucks. Uh, but they ended up being connected and then they play out in a bigger story. And at the end of it, I was like, Ugh. it's very politically charged, I should say. Mm. Um, and I should also mention, I don't, I don't own any guns. So I, I have I have no stake in this well, at all. Yeah. But. Outside of America, I don't know how relevant that story really is. Yeah. Like I get it in terms of like how bad it is down there, but it, it was it's not even like heavy-handed it's just like i get it i i I get it like every time something happened you're like okay yeah i got it it's like oh he shot a kid i got it oh that guy was unarmed black man i got it like it's it's kind of like everything that you could if if i asked you to like just list off like five bullet points of what a gun horror story would be you'd probably nail like the five points of the story so it's like all right so that one sucked the third one, Jared, was called Aloft, and uh, it started out, and it was about these people who were skydiving, and there was this really huge cloud, and they're like, that cloud's moving against the wind. Weird. And then they jump out, and one of the guys hits the cloud, is on top of it, and I was like, <gasps> I was like, oh my god, is this a UFO story? Is this aliens? Uh, and then it um, went on to be probably the worst Joe Hill story I have ever read. <laughs> Uh, it is beyond awful. 
Um, nice. I don't know if you've ever seen on uh, like Reddit. Um, there's those subreddits, the one called Nice Guys, and the mm. other one uh, Neckbeard Things. Yeah, uh, it's this really fucking pathetic story about this guy who's like in love with a girl, but he's like he like can't tell her, and he like sees her date all these guys who are mean, and he's like, but I'm a nice guy, and like he's. Like he, Joe Hill does this thing where he's like always talking about like nerdy stuff, but it, it always seems like not like matter of factly, but like it it's I don't know, it's so weird. He's like, Yeah, and I, I reached down into my Iron Man lunchbox, like stuff like that, and you're like, Oh god, don't. Um so and that story it it didn't have aliens at all. Uh it was about um a big like interdimensional demon thing. Uh, which sounds cool, but it wasn't. It, the whole story is about this guy that you absolutely fucking hate because he's whining about how a girl doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he's on a cloud the whole time. And it's fucking awful. It's one of the worst. It's the worst story I've ever read of, of his. So can't recommend that enough. And then uh, the last one was called Rain, which was kind of cool uh, at first. It was about like um, one day it rained and instead of water... Uh, like hardened crystals came down and killed a bunch of people and then it kept happening Hmm. and that story was okay to start with like i was like oh cool neat idea uh but then like there's a reason i think all of these aren't a book on their own he doesn't have a lot to go with on any of them so that one you you really feel it where like the character stuff they he like kind of establishes them and then it doesn't go anywhere and then there's like Things that you're like, what? Like, where, when did that happen? Like, things kind of just jump out of nowhere, and you're like, okay. So that one wasn't great either. And uh, thus brings an end to my dismantling of Joe Hill's new book. It's not good. I I can't recommend it to anyone. Hmm. So uh, how much uh, goodwill do you have toward Joe Hill at this point? I'm still going to get whatever he comes out with next, but I'm I'm definitely a little trepidatious here, my man. Mm. So you'll, be, uh, you'll he, be going in with lower expectations next time. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's... But I think I went in with pretty low enough expectations this time, because the last two I read, yeah. uh, like, Nosferatu, I think I was talking about, it's a really cool idea, and I like parts of it, but there's a lot of it I don't like. And the Fireman was really good, too. Or th- not really good too. Uh, Nosferatu is not great. Fireman yeah. is good, but it's just, there's not much to it. So I think I'm batting in 500 with Joe Will, just because of how much I like heart shaped box. Right. And I, I like horns and uh, um, 21st century ghosts and lock and key. So yeah, I'll get I'll, I'll keep I'll keep keep it with him for a little while. But I'm on to you, mm-hmm. Joe Hill. Joe. Uh, speaking of bad stuff, I watched a Christmas movie that sucked. Uh, called All Is Bright uh, from a couple years ago from this guy named Phil Morrison who did a his most popular movie is something called Junebug I don't I don't know what it is but it's got Amy Adams in it huh Uh, it looks like it won some awards so how did All Is Bright come onto your radar Uh, uh, Andrew and I were just looking for or Andrew is looking for Christmas movies um, and I, I was on Letterboxd, and I found a list, uh, a big, uh, compo- what's the word? Uh, a bit like a big list of just different Christmas movies. Okay. And we saw the poster, and Paul Rudd was on the poster. Oh. And uh, Andrea is uh, hot on Paul Rudd. She's like, ooh, that looks good. Let's get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's Paul Rudd and Paul Giamatti. Uh, say that two times fast. <laughs> I don't know what I meant by that. Um, 
So it's them. I think the reason they made this movie is because I saw a producer was a, a lady, Elizabeth Giamatti. Maybe they're married or something. I don't know. Um, Maybe his daughter. <laughs> it could be, yeah. Uh, and then Sally Hawkins is in this too. Uh, and she's really bad because um, they make her like a Russian character and it's really weird. But anyways, so this movie is about these two guys. They're French-Canadian ex-cons. Uh, well... They're, they're French Canadians. Uh, they're both thieves. Uh, but Paul Giamatti went to prison for a couple of years and he gets out. And Paul Rudd, who w- used to be a thief with him, is now dating Paul Rudd's old wife and helping raise their daughter. And uh, they're trying to make it straight. So what they do is they cut down Christmas or they c- cut down trees in Quebec and then drive mm-hmm. down to New York and sell the trees. Um, I think this would they would describe it as a dark comedy. Uh, it's not very funny. Um, it's not very like overtly sad or dark or anything like that. It's just, it's just really there. Like, um, Paul Giamatti kind of sucks. Uh, I don't know. He's a weird actor for me. Like sometimes I think he's really good. And sometimes it's just like, you can't do much else. Hey, well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about another guy like that. I think later, um, yeah, Paul Giamatti, the cutest point, like he was like really good and un- yeah. un- not to be missed. And then mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I think he was in the Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> as, I, I as think it was before r- that. I know <laughs> that that seemed to be like for me, like where I was like, what the fuck happened to him? And because uh, like, I don't know, it, it had been a while since I actually watched a movie with mm-hmm. him. And he was just like, I don't know. He's uh the like peak uh, sad bastard loser type oh, of yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, he's in like so much stuff and like, there's movies I really like him in like, uh, win, win and man on the moon, mm-hmm. stuff like that is really good. Uh, you know where I think his downfall started was, uh, planet of the apes by Tim Burton <laughs> after that. Cause listen to these fucking movies he's in, uh, he's in San Andreas, um, yeah. planet of the apes, John dies at the end, which is the biggest piece of shit movie. Oh, yeah, uh, lady in the water, mm-hmm. um, rock of ages, uh, paycheck, Big Mama's House. Actually, Big Mama's House is good. I take that back. Uh, <laughs> Big Fat Liar, Fred Claus. Like, the il- in- oh, he was in The Illusionist, which is the yeah. the the bad prestige. The bad prestige, yeah. Um, so, um, I don't know, man. I don't know about this, Paul Giamatti. The Nanny Diaries, a- Shoot 'em yeah. Up, Fred Claus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, oh, but, but but see, he was in John Adams, and that's like that. That was a fantastic television miniseries. Whatever, uh, but he's in just like yeah, he's in some. He yeah, he's he's not a surefire guy. He's not sure. Yeah, yeah. He he's in so, Cosmopolis, directed by David Cronenberg. Yeah, there you go. I'll check that one out soon. But uh, this movie's pretty bad, um, because it's not funny at all, and nothing really happens. And uh, like, I don't understand why they did some of the things, like why they set it up as such. Like, why are they French Canadian? Neither of them speak with like accents or anything because i guess they can't like paul rudd does later but it's like a, as a joke it's just weird it's like why why go to the it, trouble no so he talks like a french canadian does he just do like a george st pierre uh accent uh yeah he does i'm not gonna do it for you but <laughs> okay. you can do it if you want no, that's okay. um paul rudd is the only good thing in this but i think it's because he's so naturally charismatic and just like genuinely um a girl and just handsome you know uh are you still there yeah you still there yeah okay uh my vision caught out for a second anyways um yeah paul rudd is pretty good but this movie blows they like sell christmas trees 
and uh, Sally Hawkins come and she's a Russian maid for some reason and it, you just feel bad for her. You're like, I wish you didn't have to use this stupid Russian. Like she does the accent pretty good, but it's just annoying where she says stuff like wrong. You know, like um, uh, what's a good example? What's like a, a business that has two two names? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I, I can't think of it now. Um. It would be like, okay, she'd be like, the name would be Bay of Fundy, but she would say like, Fundy of Bay. Like, that was what she, how she talked all the time. Like, she would mix up the order of things for mm. everything. And you're just like, oh, come on, I don't care. And then, I don't know. It, it was really bad. I didn't like it, man. It sucks. That's great. I'm glad, so, uh, I'm glad this movie sucked. Yeah. Well, see, now I can steer other people clear, though, because there'll be a Christmas movie. Paul Rudd. Whoa. Uh, but no, it's super bad. Okay. But uh, I watched a movie that I think you watched that is super good, mm-hmm. uh, I think. Uh, we both watched The End of the Tour. Yes. Yes, we did both watch so, that. You want to take over here? Or well, um, we could, I mean, we'll talk about it. So yep. this movie, um, when it was like coming out, mm-hmm. I saw like a, some, I saw only still photos of it. And I was just like, Ugh, I have like no interest in seeing this movie. And that was kind of about it. And so what this movie is, the end of the tour, uh, it came out 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is yep. this is a movie about uh, journalist David Lipsky working for Rolling Stone, uh, who back in I guess 1996 goes to interview writer David Foster Wallace, author of uh, classic book Infinite Jest, um, and that's like that's it. That's what the story is. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've brought it up in passing on this show before. Uh, yes. Our indifference to the the cult that surrounds uh, Infinite Jest and David uh-huh. Foster Wallace. So, I mean, like, I really had no real interest in watching this. But in the last week or so, I had started doing some, like, research into A24 films. Uh, yeah, yeah. With this company that has, like, just, I don't know, very quietly taken over American independent cinema. Mm-hmm. basically um like i started like looking at all the movies they've released and like looking at their box office and budget and like just curious like how successful a lot of these movies have been for like the stuff that i could gather and just like mm-hmm. i was like really impressed i'm like holy crap like i have not gone out of my way to watch any single one of these movies but i've just like wound up watching them because like between letterbox yep. these are the movies that people are watching and talking about they're like movies that are topping like best of lists they get like all mm-hmm. the attention and i'm like they're like all the same studio and it's like they're or at least not studios the same distributor because they acquire the movies right. after they're made and then they release them is my mm-hmm. understanding i think they they have produced some but a lot of these are like uh, they, they see them at a festival and they go yep we'll take that and we'll make money mm-hmm. off of it hopefully um because like they they've made a lot of movies that have not made any money um and then there's the movies that like you've heard of that are like really big after the fact like like they, they had like their big hits were like at the beginning were spring breakers in the bling ring mm-hmm. um and then it was a bit of a learning curve for them uh they had like lock with which mm-hmm. i didn't like at all but uh i they, thought that was okay uh, yeah i had that tom hardy so yep but then yeah then they had like their string of hits with like while we're young ex machina um mm-hmm. followed by uh, enemy a- a- under uh, the skin a- amy uh, yep. Enemy didn't do awesome, I don't think. Yeah. But but now it's like oh, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, Room, 
Room was them, The Witch, uh-huh. uh, and then mm-hmm. uh, Moonlight, uh, which made like a lot of money. It usually when you win Best Picture, that should hopefully mm-hmm. happen. Uh, and then recently, like even like It Comes at Night, which seemed to be like a movie that didn't like do as well as the hope was, because like I think they were hoping right. it would make The Witch kind of money, but mm-hmm. it still did. It made way more than it does. Mm-hmm. And like currently, I think Lady Bird now is like whatever the claim is, the highest, the most critically acclaimed movie in Rotten Tomatoes history. It, sure. it actually is ahead of Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. Um, just for as far as how many positives it has and the number of people who've rated it. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, anywho, so I started There's, looking through yeah. this filmography of like all the A24 movies, and I was like, oh, the end of the tour. Oh, I guess like I, I've had some interest in like maybe rereading Infinite Jest, and I was like, well, I'll watch mm-hmm. this. I'll, I'll watch this movie. I'll, I'll see what it's all about. And uh, so... Yeah, uh, I watched the end of the tour going in blind, kind of like not really having much expectations, and I really like this movie a lot. Yeah, um, I would say that uh, if we were talking about actors that are kind of underwhelming. Uh, I think Jesse Eisenberg, I think he's the, he's definitely the worst part of the movie, but it's like <laughs> yep. he's but he is carried to a good performance by Jason mm-hmm. Siegel, who is like fantastic. Like he is. He is yeah. so so good. Uh, I'm kind of like uh, annoyed that like that his performance in this is not talked about more because it's like uh, mm-hmm. it's a pretty fantastic uh, job he does. He like he's yeah. perfectly cast, which is like things mm-hmm. that I did not think when I was seeing stills and like mm-hmm. when I saw the stupid uh, the bandana on his head and just <laughs> like oh god, yeah. like because that's like that's what he looked like. That's how he dressed and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, this is gonna be real hard to watch. But yep. this this movie is like uh, a really great uh, look at sort of like the the fragility <clears throat> of male ego and like the way mm-hmm. like uh, which is like I don't know. You think that movies would do that a lot, and I think they do. But with this, uh, I think there's like it went deeper with it and it was kind of like, yeah, it's like, it shows us being really petty and like how weird yeah. and awkward, like two people can be. Um, and like nothing happens in this story. It is just like two guys hanging out for five days and, uh, yeah, it, it, but it makes it like super watchable, um, about an author whose books I haven't even really read or th- the bits of it I have read. I haven't really been crazy about. And I was like, mm-hmm. totally, totally sucked into this movie. So kudos to end of the tour. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of the things you were saying. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really like this movie. Uh, Andrea really liked this movie. And uh, as you mentioned before, I think I brought it up a, a bunch of times. I think anyone who has anyone who says they have read Infinite Jest is lying. Um, because I can't believe that people have read that. Uh, I've tried three, four times. Uh, I've never gone past the first couple of pages. Um, so I, I really hate Infinite Jest. Uh, and credit to this movie, um, this movie actually made me want to give it another try, mm-hmm. even though I've tried like five times and I've been like, fuck this book and just like, <laughs> just like throw it in a dumpster, just buy it, buy a copy every time I want to, and then just throw it out because it's like, I'm never reading this fucking thing. Um, but this movie actually, it, uh, it won me over because it's like, yeah, I, I might read that now, now that I kind of have a better feel of this guy. Um, so I really, really like this movie, man. I think it's wicked good. Uh, to comment on your Jesse Eisenberg stuff, uh, I think like he's def- Jason Siegel is so, so good in this. And yeah. that's where it first came on my radar was um, I remember because it came out like 
end of a year, like a November kind of release or something like that, or, or it was film festivaling. And a lot of people were talking about Jason Siegel about how, uh, he sh- it was like this is his movie like if he was ever to get nominated for mm-hmm. like any kind of award it should be this because of how good he is and he's fucking great man yep. like he's so good in this yep. um like i'm sure uh i'm sure because while we were watching this andrea asked me she was like was this all on based on like transcripts i was like yeah i i, I think a good bit well, of it was a, but it's I bet based a, on a book a bit of, yeah uh, and like so that's like the book of him with his uh, his recordings and stuff yep. like that. So if I had to guess, I would say that a lot of it is like actual just the actual conversation they had. But I do think that Jason Siegel probably added a little bit of him to it. Like there's that really great moment when they're eating McDonald's mm-hmm. and the phone rings and Jason Siegel gets up. He's like, here, hold this. And he just hands him his burger. Yeah. Like I feel like that. I don't know if that actually happened. I feel like that was something he just came up with. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Jason Siegel's super good. And uh, I think, like, Jesse Eisenberg really annoyed me. But I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's intentional, right? I don't think it is. <laughs> like, well, I, so, like, I, I think he, he's annoying. He talks, and before he finishes talking, he'll be talking, like, to this to you, Jared. And then he'll make his point. <laughs> Yeah. Like he before he finishes the sentence, he's like, <laughs> that, that, "That's like that, he, he has that's that like, little that's, chuckle." That's every movie he's in. Like that's, I I know, but it seemed like it seems so much in this, and just even so, like I think it's good casting at least because that guy came off kind of like a dink, but like uh, the way he, the way he presented himself and asked his questions, mm-hmm. and just overt jealousy and like. Uh, these like weird dy- this weird dynamic that they created with each other so i think he was well cast in the role but uh, yeah he is annoying um <laughs> i i would i have to believe that that guy was probably annoying too uh <laughs> but yeah this um i really liked it man and uh there there's a line where jason siegel's talking about like the book and just kind of like culture in general where and uh, i thought of you when he said this and i think it's similar to my uh my take on infinite jest when he's talking about stuff where he's like you know when things are really popular and you just hear so much about it and it becomes like the fad the norm and then you go into it and you're either like disappointed or you end up you just dislike it because of what it is and things like that i was like i was like i get it man because Jarrett, he hates anything that's popular <laughs> anything anything uh, anything but i feel like that was one of the reasons i really didn't like infinite jess is when when everyone's like oh this is the greatest book ever written and then you pick it up if it doesn't meet your expectations meet them fast like i never i didn't even read a full chapter of this book uh so hmm. i don't have a real good opinion of it but that's something that's something to say in itself i was always like Egh. but anyways uh i me uh, Andrea and I both really enjoyed it. I thought it was wicked good. Uh, I thought it was directed nice. Jason Siegel is very good. A tour He's de so force, some might say. Some might say. Some might say. Uh, his love of dogs is admirable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very nice. I, I'm with him, man, where he, he says, you know, dogs are just easier. Yeah. You, they're, they're patient. And you and and I, I, you're, you're, this is a house of lies then because you've got two cats. Hey, we would get a dog, but we're pretty sure that our one cat would not handle a dog very well. So we don't want to, we don't want to put that on her. Okay, mm-hmm. that's it. But yeah, okay. I'm glad you liked it because uh, yep. I really liked it too. Yeah, yeah. No, I think like even after I've watched it, it's like uh, of all the movies I've watched this week, it's the one that has definitely stuck with me the most. And where I'd be like, yep. I actually want to rewatch this. Like, I, I would absolutely mm-hmm. watch it like again. 
which I yep. can't say about too many movies. Um, so that being said, I watched some other movies <laughs> that are not as Yo. good as the end of the tour. Um, first up, uh, continuing on, uh, with a couple more, uh, new Canadian cinema movies I checked out, uh, Astron six wise, I watched the editor. Uh, have mm-hmm. you heard about this one at all? No, this is news to me. Okay. Buddy. So this came out 2014. It's the Astron six boys from Winnipeg. Uh, this is the third movie of theirs that I've tried watching, uh, and oh. I, I, I have never finished one of their movies. Um, yeah. I thought maybe this might be the this one might do the trick. Uh, so the the, the Astro, like I was mentioning before, the Astron Six guys they kind of do these like pastiche kind of like genre movies. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I I blame Tarantino. Uh, actually, with these guys, ah. I more blame Robert Rodriguez, where it's just like yeah. do it fast, cheap, uh, put all your time into like making it is wacky and exciting and genre yeah. and like ironic I kind of ironic uh, as you can mm. but in some people it get, it's like they think it's really funny it, it's it totally works for them this stuff kills me it, it, it it's so bad to me uh, it's like what a waste of your time and effort to make stuff like this mm-hmm. uh, the editor is them tackling for some reason Italian giallo movies oh. so they're so they're making like a like essentially a it's a movie about an editor who's working on giallo movies and then they make a movie mm-hmm. that's done in the style of a giallo and it's got all the tropes all the weird like kind of eccentricities that if you've watched like a dozen giallos you've seen all this stuff before and apparently that's supposed to be just like enough to be funny or like you're supposed mm-hmm. to be like oh man that's so good they got that detail right oh it's so giallo and I just, it's I hate it <laughs> I hated it uh, I just I gave up about 15 minutes in uh, it's not not for me at all, but the people I follow on Letterbox, quite a few, really seem to like this, or they think it's great, and they think, oh, if you don't if you don't know about giallos, you won't enjoy this. Uh, so I counted; mm-hmm. I have seen thirty one uh, giallo <laughs> movies in my life. So that yeah. is that is nothing to do with it at all. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. this it's just hard to get by. Like just the 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 jokiness of it, and the, the movie doesn't even look right. This, this the the cinematography's wrong, and there's just like, oh, look at her ass! Look at these shots of her ass! Isn't that crazy, you guys? It's so sexualizing, like Giallo's. I'm like, was, it, was a, it a good ass? It's just like, oh, it's a it's a lady's butt. Wow, that's really nice. Fast. But it's like not not interesting. It's like that, that that's not how these movies ever mm. shot those women at all. Like it didn't work that way. But they they're doing it because it's like, oh, isn't that Grindhouse? So oh, okay. that that's like the the downside of Tarantino being like a great director. Uh, his stuff like his always creates like the worst emulation. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this, the whole like market of like just bad trailers and stuff like that. Like, oh, let's make a trailer and we'll just have all the best parts in the trailer. It'll be better than the movie. And it's just like, no, this, that just sucks. I hate it. It's not, mm-hmm. not, not, not good. Uh, and then I watched a film called Sleeping Giant, which I guess okay. was made out in like Newfoundland or Halifax or something like that. Out East, Eastern Canada. Yeah. Uh, I had heard some good things about this guy, this, uh, God, what the hell's his name? Uh, so this movie is about, uh, it's a coming-of-age story, a la something like The 400 Blows. Uh, mm-hmm. and Andrew Cividino is the name of this director. Okay. Uh, he, he shot a short film of this called Sleeping Giant, and then he turned it into a feature film. Uh, and this movie is very good, like a good, solid coming-of-age story. Um, it's got like sort of, I, I would say, um, 
uh, Harmony Corinne like aspects in the sense. Uh. No, 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 no. It's like okay, that's like overstating it, but like the the kids. There's like there's the good kid who's got like his family mm-hmm. and they're vacationing on this like island home um, for the summer, and then there's like these okay. other two kids and their cousins, and they're like greasy shitty kids that their parents suck <laughs> and their grandma's looking yeah. after them and they just run rampant and do whatever the fuck they want on the island uh but like it's very mm-hmm. an, it's like an honest depiction of those kids and like the fact that like yeah these kids like they're not the smartest they they make bad decisions in the one kid probably mm. should be getting like a lot more attention than he is and he's just getting worse and worse and doing more and more reckless things uh so the one kid who doesn't have a lot of friends on this island or he's got he's just like a shy kid he winds up hanging out with these kids and they get up to no good uh there's like the the cheesy cool dad character that that like it seems like these canadian movies throw in or like just just bad dads like uh, me like you <laughs> Uh, cool when, dad. When, when you're a dad, that's what you, you said, you'll, right? be a, you'll be a cool dad. Cool dad. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's this guy, character who's just in this movie to basically be having an affair uh, with a woman on the island that one of the kids mm-hmm. finds out about, and then kind of tells, you know, his the father's son, the her, the friend about it. Um, I don't know. It doesn't go anywhere. It's just there to add some story, I guess, to the mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, and it all builds to this idea of like, there's this big rock formation Island. Uh, it looks like a sleeping giant. Uh, and then like they, they do a cliff jump thing off of it. I'm not really selling this movie very well. I was uh, going to say this movie sounds horrible. Well, it's not, it's just like a coming of age story. I don't know. It's well made. Like it looks good. Uh, um, boners. No, I know all good coming of age uh, movies have to have one awkward boner. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a it's, a, it's like a nice Canadian version of kids. Um, oh, well, but, that sounds more up my alley. No, does it? <laughs> a, a nice version. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. So, but it's like, that's kind of takes away all the magic of Larry Clark's kids is the, uh. the, the, the filthiness of Tully and stuff like that, where you're like really uncomfortable. And it's like, oh, this is grim and memorable. Sleeping Giant is like good, competent, but like, I don't know. I'll, I'll like never think of this movie again. Uh, other than like, oh, that's like an okay, decent Canadian movie I watched once. Would uh, Andrea like it? Prob- she loves movie like coming of age type movies. Um, she might like. I think there's just better examples of it, and that's kind of always yeah. the thing that like a lot of Canadian movies are str- going to be struggling against. Is there's like you're being outdone by like other movies that like right. are getting made with stars that you've heard of, and mm-hmm. I don't know. But the movie's like not bad. It's good, but it's like. I, I, there's like so many movies you should watch before you'd ever watch it. Uh, the gotcha. other, the other one I'll throw out there. Another, the last Canadian movie I watched was Closet Monster. Uh, this is from. This was definitely Halifax. Uh, is that the one with uh, Paul Walker as a little kid? No. <laughs> is that Monster in the in the closet? Do you Clo- know the movie I'm talking about? No. Uh, I'll find it. Closet Monster is uh, directed by this uh, guy named Stephen Dunn. He's got kind of the most upside, I think, of like a lot of the directors I've encountered. Um, this is a movie. It, this is also a coming-of-age story about a uh, young man who is finding his sexuality, uh, living nice. in a house with a shitty dad. Uh, his mom mm-hmm. kind of, he feels abandoned him when he was a kid, even though I think they seem to see each other every two weeks. So it's actually not that bad. So a lot of it is just kind of like uh, adolescent angst being aimed at his mom, abandoning him to, with his, like, basically redneck trash dad who's, like, mm-hmm. 
just makes the casual homophobic remarks, that kind of thing. And uh, your our lead character, uh, he's uh, he wants to be in makeup and make like monster costumes and makeup, and he has a hamster that talks to him. That's voiced by Isabella Rossellini. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. It's, Weird. It, but it's just yeah, it's just sort of like this offhand thing. He just he gets a hamster and the hamster mm-hmm. talks to him and he has these conversations with this hamster. Um, and then the kid just like he grows up and it's like that period of like finishing high school and then applying to go to college to like continue doing like makeup stuff at a higher level, going to New York, uh, those things not working out. Um, mm-hmm. Again, he, he, he meets a guy he likes, but he doesn't know if this guy is gay either. And it's that type of story. But uh, this okay. movie is just like pretty like solid. Like uh, it doesn't have a lot of the like things I would describe as Canadian being held against it. Uh, <laughs> uh, can you elaborate? It, like the, I don't know, the production looks good. Like everything seems to be in order. Like it all looks mm-hmm. right. You're not like watching it and making excuses on like why this like looks off or the, the acting's wanky. Right. Like, but like, so yeah, the, the dad again, it's like another, two movies now here where it's like, the that's, it's a bad dad in these movies. So I'm always like, what's up with that? And then like the mothers just like have no mm-hmm. personalities whatsoever. Um, so it's all these people have these hangups, I guess, with their dads um, mm. or, or <laughs> Canada's lack of a dad. <laughs> I think Canada is everybody's dad. Yeah. Or maybe like an uncle who's like, he seems like a nice guy. He always brings you a gift, but he's, he doesn't ever really have it together. Mm. Is that it? Anyways, that movie was called Monster in the Closet, and it came out in the eighties. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I've seen that movie, Jarrett. Yeah, it's not good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, keep keep talking. Talking. Um. So yeah. Uh. I don't know. I'd say people should watch this movie if they're curious about what the new Canadian new wave has to offer. Of the stuff I've watched, it seems to be like the have everything to get it's everything's kind of sorted and uh, i'm curious what steven dunn uh the director steven dunn does next after this one um, hmm. and i forgot that i actually did watch uh, another canadian movie the other night that i did not like very much uh this was a horror movie that i actually on paper sounded really cool uh in the fact that it's basically just ripping off the thing wholeheartedly uh where to the point where like one of the main characters has like kurt russell's hair from the thing mm. um nice. so it's a story it's called black mountainside it's set in mm-hmm. like a like northwest coast taiga up toward the arctic uh it's at a dig expedition uh it's just a bunch of scientists sitting around in cabins working during the daylight Mm -hmm. uh, with, like, some natives from the local reserve who are digging up this, like, Mesopotamian site that should not exist where it is. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Uh, The movie looks pretty good. It's, like, low budget, uh, but, like, they make the most of, like, trying to make this look as nice as possible. Uh, It's also, it borrows a lot from The Shining, uh, with a lot of, like, kind of behind-the-character tracking shots, floating kind of camera uh, trying to f- take full advantage of like the whole like space of the site that they're on, but then mm-hmm. like, and then the, the the biggest thing of course is like it has a lot of uh, thing about the dates. Like in The Shining, it says like Tuesday, Monday, that sort of sort of stuff. In this, it has the actual dates as it takes place over the course of a month. Um, mm-hmm. But like, man, this movie just like ugh, the actors in this are so crappy. Like I've never seen actors <laughs> who are in a movie who are like looking down at their feet. 
and like looking down at the table and not making eye contact with one another. <laughs> it's, oh yeah. It's so strange. I'm like, do these guys like just not have confidence or like they're nervous around one another and they're like, trying to remember their lines and they, I don't know. It, it's just very amateurish to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like just weird deliveries of lines, like just stuff. It's like, this doesn't sound very convincing or these guys seem like they're actors playing characters. Like the guy playing the doctor, he just seems like he's trying to play the character rather than like be the character. It's, mm. it's always, like, weird to see acting like that. Because usually we complain about, like, oh, this guy was just annoying. This character, this guy, <laughs> he made weird yeah. decisions. Not just, like, actually, like, oh, this is, like, really taking me out of it. Because the movie otherwise is, like, well shot. But the the direction just seemed, didn't seem to, like, think, oh, maybe I should work with the actors a bit more. So they're, like, helping the story along. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the real stinky part of this movie is um, there's, like, a... The, the, this like supernatural force that like they unearth it at this <laughs> site, which I haven't even gotten to the plot because it doesn't even really matter because they don't really go anywhere with it. Um, they've done something to upset this structure, and then like a deer spirit starts appearing, <laughs> and okay. it's like and yeah. it's a guy in a deer costume that's like yeah. always quite a ways away, so you never really get a real shot of it, and it's like standing on its hind legs. But its voice, uh, I describe as uh, it's like the Black Scorpion from WCW, and I have a link to a YouTube mm. video uh, on my Letterbox review. But if uh, uh, you'll oblige me, uh, the voice sounds something a bit like RJ. Is it? Is it supposed to, to be? <laughs> like it's so funny. Like I, I cannot take this at all seriously. It's supposed to be creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did read some people online say, "Oh man, that voice is really spooky. It's like nightmare inducing." Spooky. And, eh? and I'm like, "No, RJ, it's not spooky at all. It's really bad." I don't like the sound of that chair. No, and uh, it. Yeah, after that, I just was like, "Nope, I'm mm-hmm. can't do it." I'm out. Hey, that sounds like a good show. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. It's like you hear, oh, it's like the thing. Oh, talk of yeah. like Lovecraftian horror. Cause there's like talk of it, but it never really pays off in any meaningful way. Other than there's like a bit where like one of the doctors is like, oh yeah, we found some uh, t- uh, squid DNA. It seems like there's a bunch <laughs> of squids reproducing in the bloodstream. And it's ex- it's like, okay. But then, no, nah, let's not do anything with that. Let's not go with that. Then, then people just go. Oh. People just go crazy, and then there'll be shots where people come into a room. And they're like, "Oh my god, this guy's cut off his own hand!" But it's done in the most like undramatic way possible. So you're saying it's high quality cinema? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, nice. Just the best. Nice. The best. Uh, what part of Canada was that made in? BC. BC. Yeah. Okay. So like, it's like uh, the Thing territory. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then, so some other A24 movies I checked out, I checked out this one called, uh, Chris, Krisha, uh, mm-hmm. which I'd seen people mention before. And I think what I, I wanted to check it out because this movie was shot for like $11,000 or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so this movie is a love letter to punch drunk love and like early two thousands PT Anderson. Uh, really? It is. Yeah. Like it's shot exactly a lot like uh punch drunk love and, hmm. but it's like very low scale. It, it just takes place over the course of a like Thanksgiving dinner. 
Yeah. Where it's like with this main woman, uh, Krisha, who comes to the Thanksgiving dinner, uh, you get suggestions of like her being like, she's a bad mom, actually. So to round out the bad dad movies, this is a movie about a bad mom. Uh, nice. She's at her sister's place and she's hanging out with all the family and things are just like moving about. The camera just is always following them around, get settling mm-hmm. in. There's talks of dogs, lots of dogs <laughs> in this movie. Um but yeah, I don't know. I, I I was totally drawn into this movie. Uh, hmm. it, it looks good. It reminded me how much I miss like uh, early two thousands PT Anderson. Um, because mm-hmm. I'm not sure what we're, what's in store with Phantom Thread. I uh, early word is out. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything though. Uh, people early word on Inherent Vice it was it was another masterpiece, and that movie is oh, no yeah. good at all. That movie sucks. No. Inherent Vice sucks. It, it's it's a little boring. Yeah, I remember being pretty let down. Yep. Uh, and even the master, I'm like just okay on. I think that movie's just okay. Uh, I like the master, but yeah, in, Inherent Vice was a uh, pretty lamesville. Yeah. Uh, so I am my I'm I'm in Joe Hill territory with uh, PT right now. So we're, we're, but ho- it, I'm hoping that Phantom Thread uh, is a return to form. Now he's got Daniel yeah, Day. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say all his other stuff was uh, certifiable. Some of my all-time though. favorite movies. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So you can't be down on him because of two bad ones. He's got like six movies that are better than like anyone else. Oh, I know. Anyone will ever make. I know that. I still love those movies, and I'd watch them at the drop of a hat. But you know, I'm on to you, Duncan. We'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So yeah, Chris is cool. Um, it's a brief little movie. I started actually making a list that I'll publish one of these days of uh, my acid tongued intense domestic dramas, which uh, we've brought up a few times. Uh, I'm up to eight movies, uh, and it's like yeah, every single one of these movies I like super love, and they don't make them very often. Um, but yeah. one of the one of but one of the or actually we have had two examples of that in the Criterion Creep, Autumn Sonata and Pygmalion. I would fit into that uh, uh, realm. Yeah. Those uh, would fit. Yes, they would. Uh, I watched what would be an RJ pick if RJ had told me to watch it. What? Uh, a little film called Inseminoid. <laughs> hey, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. Is it super cool? No, it's Aww. it's uh, a very low budget British uh, horror knockoff of Alien. Um, that sounds cool. It sounds cool, but then the actual act of watching it, not so cool. It's got a couple of moments that are okay, but uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, what we call in the business a magazine movie. Ah, one of those classics, hey? Yeah, you, look- you know, just throw on in the background and mm-hmm. just kind of let it drift away yeah well because i mean it, it does kind of uh they workshop a couple things where like hmm you know what alien really needed uh we need like basically like more filled out sexier ladies than sigourney weaver in the exact same like panty and uh tank top from alien so we get a lot more of that and like can and, you and, find someone more filled out did they get jamie lee curtis no, there's just a bunch of ladies that you've never heard of that just get to prance uh-huh. around in those outfits. And then a lot more of them lounging around because <laughs> it's like yeah. an alien that only happens at the end of the movie. And then yeah. they decided that's the problem with alien. They needed that more throughout the movie. So hmm. the, the plot of this movie is uh, they're on some like asteroid and they're digging deep down into it, finding some rocks. And then uh, there's something down there. Uh, we get a alien abduction in like on the ground and then injection right into that lady with some green goo. And so she gets inseminated with alien juice. And then of course, course, while she's pregnant with this thing, uh, she becomes possessed. So it's like baby blood (laughs) Uh, by she starts killing the other crewmates. Um, Mm. 
there's like some Mad Max references with people sawing off their legs, um, space madness through the via this possession. Um, yeah, yeah. There's like nothing really to write home about. The movie's got a pretty cool soundtrack. It looks kind of nice. Uh, it's inoffensive, but it's I don't remember much of it at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was cool. Uh, my other A24 movie, uh, Life After Beth. Last week, oh no! Last week we were talking about uh, John C. Riley being in movies and elevating them, and I was like, "No, that's not true." Well, mm-hmm. I watched Life After Beth because I was like, "Well, you know, it's got like some people in it I like. Uh, it can't be as bad as everyone on the planet's telling me it is." And it was. Have, yeah. Have Have you seen who is, like, who is it? No, I haven't. I don't um, plan to. Who is in that that you thought would elevate it? Oh, um, what's her name from? Uh, commute or. Uh, Parks and Recreation. Aubrey Plaza? Yeah. Yeah. She's in that. Yeah, she's pretty good. And, yeah. oh, yeah, your buddy Dane DeHane. He's yeah. pretty nice. Yeah, my buddy. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, he's in this. This movie is just, like, the editing's bad, like, in a way uh, where, you're like, you can feel that they shot this to feel a little bit longer, but then they started cutting stuff to make it shorter. And so there's just yeah. scenes that, like, the comedy does not play because it's so truncated. And, like, they mm-hmm. just, like, they're just getting their lines out. And it's like, oh, this is not working. <laughs> And I don't know. It's like on, again, on paper, this actually sounds like a really, like has some potential to it. Um, Uh Because it's like, oh, it's like Return of the Living Dead 3. And uh, this other movie from years ago called Moonlight Mile that no one talks about anymore with old Jake Mm -hmm. Gyllenhaal. And I'm like, yeah, those two ideas together, that actually could be really good. No, we're not going to make that good movie. We're going to make this one uh, where it turns into like a zombie apocalypse, but it's so like offhand and kind of like... Like it doesn't, it doesn't even feel like it doesn't even go for those sort of references. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, yeah, lots of prolonged scenes where you're just like, yeah, this is just necrophilia. Like, it's this is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. What an odd little movie this is. Mm. Um, boring. Uh, I thought Joe Dante made that movie, but apparently he didn't. No, he didn't. I don't know what movie I was thinking of. No, but, yeah, all right. So this is definitely one of the the duds on the A twenty four oeuvre. Um, and it's deserved that no yeah. one talks about this one and, uh, it's too bad cause it has a good poster. Um, yeah. neat idea, but yeah, nothing about the execution of this is good at all. Uh, mm-hmm. last movie I'll talk about is margin call. Our, our... Oh. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, the reason, the reason, this, the, the reason why I watched this is because I didn't realize that I have this JC Kander guy who directed it. I already owned two of his yeah. movies. Cause back in the day I bought all is lost starring Robert Redford and, uh-huh. and this guy's follow-up movie, which I didn't realize was also him. Uh, I, a most violent year, which is a 24. And I was like, Oh wow. They're the same guy. I'm like, well, what else did he direct? Oh, he's directed one other movie margin Mm -hmm. call with like Kevin Spacey and Jeremy Irons and Paul Bettany. Mm -hmm. And like, Holy shit, Spock. It's like this movie stacked. Why haven't I never heard of this? Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't at this, I never saw a trailer. This movie just came out and disappeared. Uh, so I'm like, Oh, it's a movie that's set just before the financial crisis. And it was about, (laughs) about financial crises and crashes and people, Stanley Tucci discovering these things and people being laid off and like about the ethics of corporate greed and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're one of my pet peeves with this um, movie Uh is that there are three occasions 
in like 45 minutes where they're like saying, you got to take a look at this on a screen. And it's all stock markets, gobbledygook stuff, which I don't think yeah. anyone knows anything about. But then you have like guys who work for this company that like their whole like stock and trade is stock mm-hmm. and trade. And they're like, oh, I, I, I can never understand what's on these screens. You have to explain it to me. And then you're like, well, then they explain it. And then they go, oh my God. And then another then Kevin Spacey comes in. He's like, oh, I've never been able to understand these things. You have to tell me what this means. <laughs> and then they go to Jeremy Irons, who's the boss of it all. Who's like, talk to me like I'm a child and explain it to me. And he's just like, what the fuck? Like that once they did yeah. it three times, I was just like, no, no, man, I'm, I'm, this is dumb. And so the movie takes place only over the course of a day. And then there's lots of shots of like, yeah, Demi Moore's in this too. And like, mm-hmm. ugh, this movie. I, uh, my personal history with Margin Cole, I had this guy I knew who, um, was really into this movie and i remember when uh, <laughs> what the, oh yeah he fucking loved this movie and i remember when the big short came out uh-huh. he was like he's like they're just ripping off margin call and uh <laughs> he he always like told me to watch margin call and i was like no i was like that i was like what's that about again and they're like oh it's like stocks and stuff like this and i was like fuck that sounds boring um <laughs> so i never watched it uh, ever, ever, but uh, no, I don't. Yeah, oh, you go, you go watch Margin Call. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, I actually, I, I find it really amazing that anyone could be like really into this movie. Oh yeah, that that guy is really in a fucking Margin Call. Um, <laughs> but uh, more about that another day. Uh, okay. So the Joe Dante movie I was thinking of was called Burying the X, which s- seems like uh, similar to oh, uh, okay. that uh, Life um, After Beth. Life After Beth. It's about a dead girlfriend. Okay. Cool. So, so there yeah. You go. Uh, well, so yeah. After watching Margin Call, I was like, well, I guess I should watch the Big Short because I bet it's better than this. Um, yeah. And they're probably neither as good, neither as good as Wolf of Wall Street. So. Yeah. And they're probably and there's like yeah the Wall Street genre of trading places and uh, mm-hmm. Wall Street all those just all watch those. Trading Places. Yeah. It's yeah. better than any of those movies. There you go. Yeah. Anyways, so that's it for movies for me. Uh, hey RJ, got any news for us? Uh, I do, but I, you and me might cross paths on news here. Um, are you going to talk about big news? Not really. Uh, are you going to talk about how Brian Singer got fired from no. the his movie? No. Well, he got fired. That's kind of weird, hey? No. I've never heard of that happening very often. Of directors being fired off movies? Yeah. Sure. Well, it happened to those Han Solo guys. They got replaced by yeah. uh, Ron Howard. Yeah. Sounds like he, uh, Brian Singer threw something at that Rami, yep. Rami Malik guy. That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyways, what's your news? Uh, Slaughterhouse Five is getting the TV adaptation treatment. Is it really? Yeah. So the reason I share this is because Slaughterhouse Five is like legitimately one of my favorite books ever. Uh, yeah. The '70s movie by George George Roy Hill sucks. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Yeah. Uh, com- like, what's the point of adapting Kurt Vonnegut? Uh, yeah. And I laughed because uh, on the AV Club uh, write-up on this, it mentions that uh, King of Vaporware, Gilmero Del Toro, had expressed interest in making uh, yeah. a movie based on this as well back in 2013. And here we are. Yeah. Here we are in 2014 or 2017, and that, that movie never happened because Gilmero Del Toro happened. Um, so anyway, mm-hmm. I, th- the guy who's apparently working on this uh, he just ad- adapted that uh, Happy thing based on the Grant Morrison comic. Oh. Yeah. So, ah, uh, whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's better that I don't know who the people who are involved with it because sometimes those people actually do turn out like something that's like a good television adaptation because there's like yeah. nothing wrong. Like Slaughterhouse-Five should adapt well to a TV show, but 
Oh, man, just read the book, folks. It's not that big of a book. It's an easy read, and it's an amazing book. It's not gonna. It's yeah. just, just do that. Just do that. Um, yeah. I guess um, it worked out for uh, that man in the high castle. People thought that show was really good, and that's not. It's like 140 pages or something like that. Yeah, that book. So it's a very different uh, thing. All yeah, yeah that TV that, show. You bringing that up reminds me. Did you hear that Amazon uh, bought the rights to the Lord of the Rings, and they're gonna make a TV show out of it? I heard something about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's just like anything else. I mean, you, you know, yeah. there's going to be more Harry Potter. They're going to they're going to do Harry yeah, Potter over again one did day. Did you hear? Well, there was a big controversy over. They released the picture for the next Fantastic Beasts, oh. and everyone's like, "Hey, how come Johnny Depp hasn't had his comeuppance?" Because <laughs> he because he's mean or whatever, maybe uh, baby or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was that uh, I think it was domestic abuse type of situations. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that me. he's he's settled. Yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, hey, you weren't even gonna. Oh, wait, never mind. Uh, you got any other news? Oh, my other one is that. Uh, so it's the end of the year, meaning it's best oh, yeah. of the year season, and apparently, and I, I haven't actually seen any of this directly, but I've seen people yep. responding to it, like the film critics I follow, and there's some some uh, best of the year film purists that are getting their panties in a bunch that Twin Peaks: The Return is topping lists. Gola. Um, because it's not a film, RJ. It's a TV show. Oh, shut up! And they're like, "Oh, showrunners don't get nominated for or get best picture knowledge." It's like because <sighs> David Lynch directed and wrote every single fucking episode. It's like yeah. a completely different thing, and like it's an eighteen-hour movie. It's so anyway. Uh, that's been amusing me because it's like, what the f- what's wrong with you assholes? Uh, and then it's I think uh, one of the better tweets I saw was someone saying, okay, if this is the way we're going to go, everyone should know that Fanny and Alexander is also a television series. And I'm like, there you go. Like, no one yeah. even knows that because when you watch it in the future, it'll just be like one continuous thing. Yeah. And hey, RJ, uh, Twin Peaks The Return came out on Blu-ray this week and Amazon.ca still has not shipped it to me. Uh, Amazon.ca, uh, I have photographic evidence. Uh, they are fucking nuts right now uh i've had christmas orders i get all my shopping on amazon because i'm lazy um i have things that uh, i have prime baby so i got that guaranteed two-day delivery yeah and uh, i took a picture i ordered it on one day and said you're guaranteed two-day delivery and it was seven days later um and i i like i went i asked them i emailed them i was like what's up with this and they're like sorry it's busy <laughs> so i don't i don't know what uh, they think guarantee means but uh like is it which is fine like i'm not a i'm not a diva i'll be like i need it in two days it's just like don't say it's a guarantee if you can't guarantee it baby mm-hmm. why did i bring this up oh yeah uh it seems like they're busy with mail and stuff so i think that's uh the issue that's not an mp that's a yp your problem yeah you're the one that, that, that no, that's doesn't what you, have that, his that, stuff that, that's what you tell amazon Oh yeah, ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what see? you're saying. Quoting some P.T. Anderson because he's so good. Ah, yeah. yeah, he is good. Well, that's that mattress, man. Yeah. Hey, we got some yeah. movies to talk about. Do we? Yeah. Uh, so right. after the break, we're getting it's all getting Moscow up in here. Yeah.
Russia has been called, is shown in all its majestic grandeur in Ivan the Terrible. Sergei Eisenstein's monumental work had been banned until recently. Now at last it can be shown in the complete version the director envisioned. Ivan the Terrible pursued his dream, a Russia freed from the enslavement of the selfish boyars, a Russia united and strong enough to withstand the traitors from within and the enemies from without. grandiose settings, the raging intrigues, the fierce battles form the backdrop for the sweeping drama Eisenstein has fashioned with a power that has rarely been equal. Prokofiev's operatic score adds depth and scope to the film which has been called a cinematic event. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight it's Eisenstein, the sound years that's being discussed. First up is Alexander Nevsky from 1938, directed by Sergei Eisenstein. The synopsis here from uh, Letterboxd. It is the 13th century, and Russia is overrun by foreign invaders. A Russian gnaz or Prince, Alexander uh. Nevsky rallies the people to form a ragtag army to drive back an invasion by the Teutonic Knights. This is a true story based on the actual battle at a lake near Novgorod. Soviet filmmaker Sergei Eisenstein's only successfully completed sound film project with producer acceptance, it was nonetheless pulled from release upon Joseph Stalin's disastrous signing of the quote-unquote peace pact with the Third Reich just a few weeks after its premiere, but it was quickly put back into distribution when the Germans, also disastrously, decided to invade the USSR, pact or no pact, a few months later, mm-hmm. and it has remained an acclaimed example of Soviet film to the present time. What a what a great <laughs> synopsis of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. They really explain what Alexander Nevsky's all about. All about the, mm-hmm. the, the, the meta-narrative, what was going on around the movie. So, hey, RJ, uh, this is two movies from 1938 in a row. Really? Yeah, because Pygmalion was also 1938. Do you think maybe Um, that was on purpose? No, probably. It might have just worked out that way. Um, Just so, did you feel, watching Alexander Nevsky and Pygmalion, like, back-to-back, that they feel like they were made in the same year? No. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Nevsky seems a little bit, I wouldn't say, like, poorer quality but it just it looked older pygmalion doesn't look like a 1938 movie it looked like night like whatever year just before color came out 
that's what that's what it feels like <laughs> okay. because it's really well shot and yeah. it looks good yeah it's uh, there's like um uh, a level of sophistication that seems to be there but i think there's like we'll talk about it more i think there's like a yeah. there, there's some intentional stodginess going on here which is like kind of playing into its epicness where like okay. characters talk and like move in a certain way because um, gotcha. like I, I think in other ways this movie well, this movie looks pretty stunning at times so yep um this is our second russian film in our criterion creep mm-hmm. uh if you recall when we watched andre rublev uh these movies like they all are guys' names, um, yeah, <laughs> and they were all made under Soviet rule because, like, really, I mean, that's that's the majority of Russian history uh, during when you could have made a film was under mm-hmm. Soviet reign, uh, and the common thing between these three, these four movies, I guess, now is they're all historical dramas, and we'll talk about why that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I had never seen Alexander Nevsky and my exposure to Eisenstein in general uh, up until like the last week or so was Battleship Potemkin. Yep. Um, that's like the big movie everybody watches because it's the, the all-time banger classic, super influential thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Eisenstein, the shorthand for him is always that he is the father of montage, which is just a fancy way of just talking about editing um, and just talking uh, about like the, the combination of images back to back, that sort of thing. It's like first day of film school type of stuff. You talk about montage and stuff like that. And, and Eisenstein is the guy who comes along with it. The other guy is uh, another Russian fellow by the name of Vertov who made that movie uh, man with the movie camera mm-hmm. uh he he was like even more like kind of like a formal guy uh as far as like the abstraction and stuff like that and pushing it whereas like eisenstein was definitely more like he wanted to still tell stories but he also was into experimentation and trying out different things and seeing what sort of effects they would have on the audience Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Alexander Nevsky and this whole box set has always kind of been on my radar is like, I should watch that one day. I should watch mm-hmm. that one day. But then you realize, oh, it's like a lot of time to spend watching. And fortunately, I mean, these movies aren't super long. They're not like popping in greed or, uh, birth of a nation where those movies mm-hmm. are like quite long and they're silent and they really feel like you're watching long movies. I've never actually never yeah. seen Greed, but it's kind of like my fear with it because I, I tried watching um, uh, Intolerance, the one D.W. Griffith movie, and that mm-hmm. thing was just like, ugh, I, I don't know, not for me. But I did not have that problem watching these movies for the most part. Uh, so Alexander Nevsky, um, I, I couldn't help but think watching this movie, I was like, oh, this movie feels like an RJ movie. And I don't know what that is. And I'm like, hmm, hmm. it's almost like if you, if this movie was made in like the nineties and you're able to cast any actor in the world, uh-huh. who, who, who would we bring in? Who could save this movie and like really bring some box office? And I was like, there's like one man for the job. A, a man. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'll just throw out there. Uh, like Alexander Nevsky, who is a flawless uh, example of masculinity and leadership, I think this really would uh, a Mel Gibson, I think. Oh, <laughs> you better believe I was thinking of old William Wallace and Braveheart yeah. and this bad boy the whole time. As soon as he comes out at first and you see those broad ass shoulders, I was like, that's a man. <laughs> Broad shoulders and like a bowl cut, you're like, fuck, this guy's got it going on. Oh boy, bowl cuts all oh. around the horn. Oh yeah, yeah. These three movies. Uh, before I even say anything, uh, there's some pretty premium haircuts in this movie. Yes, bowl cuts, beards, dippity doo, like just <laughs> fucking gelled into a spike. Like you could, it's pretty serious shit, man. Mm-hmm. 
Oh it's yeah. Good hair. Good hair. Um, so yeah, uh, Alexander Nevsky. It is like it's it's a historical drama, epics for a story. Uh, yep. We have the good guy prince who's called upon by the people to basically yeah. help the land and fend off foreign invaders here in the form of like the Germans, <laughs> essentially, uh, which of course is like fitting. It's 1938 in the real world. Uh, Nazi Germany is Adder, uh, invading Poland. And uh, this movie is also about how the Poles are bad dudes and Russia has a very complex mm-hmm. history of Poland. Um and yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you expect it is. Uh, the movie actually, like, the first hour is all just set up. It, like, mm-hmm. And it's pretty well, like, what, three, four scenes? And, like, within those scenes, it just, like, this gets built up. This happens, this happens. And then it's like, oh, now we're getting, like, the first big battle scene, right? Oh, no. Yeah. It's, like, one long battle scene that's, like, almost, like, a half hour long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, oh, that that is what we're going with, huh? Um, so I think this movie's pretty neat uh mm-hmm. i i don't know i don't love it or anything like that it's not like oh man this movie blew me away uh but like the visuals the cinematography in this and the sense of scale mm-hmm. and composition is like fantastic like it looks so goddamn good um people like lose their minds over like the cinematography like the roger deacon cinematography in blade runner 2049 and it's Mm -hmm. all very like glossy and it's like really showing off like the the primo production values and stuff like that but this movie it's just like oh we're just going to shoot stuff in fields and Mm -hmm. it's going to be like lots of sky uh we're going to use the foreground in ways that like most movies like don't even bother anymore um and yeah like this movie you could just watch on a pure visual level and be like wow this movie looks great like the cost, yeah. the costumes are cool, uh, man. Those Teutonic knights are so awesome looking. Uh, they are the mm-hmm. stormtroopers of their time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, the story is like nothing special. It's no great shakes. It's like it's exactly what you expect it's going to be. Uh, yeah. Good guys fight bad guys. The vilified, the bad Catholics, <laughs> the evil, yeah. the, the bad church against the good, uh, upstanding Russian folk. Uh, who don't need none of that religion in their atheistic Soviet life. Um, mm-hmm. And we're just going to bash around and smash people up. It's going to be a fun romp. There's going to be even some lighthearted like, moments in the battle. And then there's going to be a bunch of dead bodies and people <laughs> drowning and freezing to death. Um, and we're going to call it a day. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of my general feelings on the movie. Uh, RJ, what did you think of uh, this 1938 Braveheart well, I feel like people would think that I would not like these movies as they're really old and they're black and white and they're they're from Russia and they might seem boring. Mm. Uh, but as you mentioned, this Alexander Nevsky has got some pretty strong Braveheart vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was genuinely surprised. I thought this movie was really good. Sweet. Uh, I agree with you. It didn't, it didn't blow my world. I wasn't like, Oh my God, that's the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah. It's not like, I can't believe it took me this long to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like that. But, uh, yeah, I started it and even the first five, 10 minutes, I was like, mm. but, uh, once it started going, man, I was like, man, this movie fucking rules. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. Uh, like you were saying, there's some like pretty amazing shots of, uh, like cinematography, the kind of setup and or the sets and all the costumes and stuff are so cool. 
like the knight's helmets and uh like the one guy just has like a eagle claw on his helmet which yep. i think is really funny uh there's like a lot of crinkly old men in like uh cloaks like kind of just like lurking around and that's really spooky and i thought that was wicked um this movie's pretty dark. Uh, they actually, there's some dudes throwing babies into like yeah. pits, and uh, like I'm sure there was like a bed underneath, but those dudes are really like just dropping babies like <laughs> f- from their hands, and like like you know what I mean. I'm, I'm pretty sure someone caught them, but I like, still, I like, I like when they throw the kids in the fire. <laughs> yeah, they're like throwing kids in a fire, and you're just like, <laughs> holy shit! Like that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the uh, battle prep stuff is super wicked. Like uh, when it's all the soldiers like mounting up, and they're singing that Russian song, oh, and like man. they're all being handed swords and chainmail, uh, and it goes on for a long time. Yeah. Uh, that scene is fucking awesome i really like that there's a really cool fan organ being played in the background so like all the russian like peasant guys are getting their swords and then there's all the cloaked like crinkly old men walking around playing organs uh i thought that was fucking wicked i thought it was so cool Mm -hmm. um this movie also has some really nice uh like um design and like the way they show progression of time and stuff uh there's one shot that's really cool where it's like canoes in the snow Mm. and they everyone passes it and then they fight for a while and then they pass it again and it's like kind of snowed over and there's a a couple bodies in the snow and they're kind of snowed over on too Mm. and i was like that's really cool i like that because like it's nothing like new it's that's nothing i've never seen before but i was like that's cool it's a neat thing to do in this old movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all the, like I was saying, all the build-up stuff is really, really good. Um, and the music is really good, too. The only thing I didn't like is there's a weird part where, like, they do all these things really well. And then there's one scene where there's they're actually, like, fighting each other. And the music seemed like, uh, oh, okay. like really cheesy. The, the, here it, comes the cavalry music. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, boom, 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 And there's, boom, and there's boom, honks boom, in it. Boom, yeah and it was like it it was like so uh, upbeat and it seemed really out of place it felt really different from the rest because the rest so yeah the one thing like uh up to that point i was really i really liked the score i was like this is like awesome super dramatic russian music but then of course i looked it up i'm like oh the the score for this is actually was uh done by sergey uh prokoviev who is the composer of like peter and the wolf so mm-hmm. this, this okay. movie's got some like actual like uh, legs behind it, but yeah, like well, that battle music is like really like silly. Like it feels like totally yeah. like not compatible with the scale of everything else. It's mm-hmm. like oh, why do they play this like lighthearted music? Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's really noticeable too. Noticeable too. Um, there's one scene in particular where. It's like the horses are coming from the plains or something and you see them far away and they're kind of charging up and then it's like a nice shot of clouds and it's like the impending doom is like mm-hmm. charging towards them and there's like that dark Russian ominous music that you were talking about before. But then once they actually start fighting, it's like boop, 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 doop, boop, ding, bonk. There's literally... Bonk. <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's, it's so out of place. You're, yeah. It's just like, oh, weird. So I don't know, man. Uh that's the only thing that I was like, eh. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It was like I was saying, the first, like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes didn't really lock me in. But I was I was really surprised. I thought this movie was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, for, like, an 80-year-old Russian movie, I was just like, neat. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's fun. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, if you didn't know, uh, you can watch this puppy on YouTube mm. for free. Yes. That's where I watched it. So. Yeah. Yep. Yo, there's a, yeah. Uh, well, it's probably, if it is uh, the official one, uh, Moss Films, which also was the studio behind uh, Alexander Nevsky. They also have the, yeah. uh, I guess, the cut version of uh, Alexander Nevsky on there. Or, um, yep. the, uh, sorry. Andre Rublev, and then th- I assume they probably also have this uploaded too, uh, which is maybe why Criterion hasn't like rushed out to put this stuff out on Blu-ray again because of weird yeah. r- changing rights and like mm-hmm. how much they want to commit to restorations of this stuff if they can't get full versions. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah my note here uh, was uh, uh, where is it? Bowl Cut City. Oh man, so many bowl cuts. Yeah, but then we also get some Prince Valiants. Uh, which is like yeah. where it's like where it's long in the back for the Germans, but it's all, mm-hmm. actually uh, I read this was on uh, Wikipedia, but like I guess um, uh, John Milius, uh, the mm-hmm. uh, screenwriter and director, he was a, he loves this movie, and I guess like there's like whole scenes that are just lifted right from this in Conan the Barbarian, right hmm. down to uh, James Earl Jones's uh, Falsa Doom hair, which is like exactly like the lead German guys, except it's black hair but it's like the same haircut and everything and like the staging of like kind of like the the baddies arriving and enslaving and killing everybody in the village it's alexander mm-hmm. nevsky um so that's mm. neat uh i mean yeah this movie's got like the classic structure we're introduced to our protagonist and him being so mm-hmm. bene- benevolent 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 ben- benevolent and uh, there talk, we go got, i got it right that time uh yeah. against the backdrop of great battle and war um mm-hmm. and then it's followed by the introduction of the bad dudes we're showing them yeah. being very bad. And then the reluctant warrior has to come and chase these bad guys away. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's peasant gnome hats. Fucking right. Yep. Uh, plain folk. And then, yeah, so my note here was big battle number one. But then it turned out to be that was the only battle of the whole movie because it is just one giant battle sequence one big for battle. Like a big third of this movie. Uh, I wrote the note, why no CGI? Because I'm watching this and I'm like, look at the limited like scale they had to work with. Like yep. they actually had to get human beings and like actually mm-hmm. have, you could still get lots of people to do it. And it looks way cooler. Um, and it's yeah. like doing lots of practical stuff where you have, to have a guy standing in front of a projection while you're, you're doing close ups. It looks neat. The guy's yeah. charging on the horses with projections. It looks it looks cool. Um, yeah. And yeah, we don't do that anymore. We just have like phalanx hordes of non- <laughs> of nonsense with like one design, and it's like mm-hmm. so lazy. Uh, lots of yeah. uh, helmets just being smashed in. <laughs> it's like it's it's wonderful. Yep. Yeah, there's some cool stuff. There's uh, some actual fighting, it seems. There's guys who are actually like trying to fight each other. Throw down. Uh, yeah, you see uh, some axes hitting heads. A couple times, and I thought that was neat. Yeah, but uh, yeah, those those helmets are so cool. Oh yeah, it's like an eagle, like a bird claw, and then like a real person's hand, and then one guy just has like fucking eggplant on his head or something. Like who knows what could pop up on these helmets? That's right. So much stuff. Um, so cool. Yeah, another highlight for me. I think probably the thing I will like most about this movie over time is just like those the after battle scenes, that the shots of just like the the after the war. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's so good. Just like images of just destruction. And uh, I don't know, it lingers on it. It's very uh, lyrical, poetic, and all mm-hmm. that jazz. Uh, but it looks really good. Like everything, like this, the, the photography in this movie is like fantastic. I like it mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, oh, uh, the Alexander Nevsky looks like uh, Chad Kruger from uh, Nickelback. And Chad Kruger looks like Jesus. What are you trying to say? 
So RJ from the library, I got a book. Mm-hmm. I got a book out from the library. Nerd. I got a couple books. I got a book that's like a Eisenstein's autobiography, which is like it's a Nerd. translation of his notes and whatnot. And I also uh-huh. got this book called The Cinema of Eisenstein by David Bordwell. Mm-hmm. I'd like to share a couple of notes from it, okay. if, if you'll uh, oblige. Um, so before starting the film, Eisenstein declared, the subject of my new work can only be of one type. Heroic in spirit, militant in content, and popular in its style. Recent historiography had singled out as national hero Prince Alexander Yaroslavich of Novgorod, called Nevsky because of his defeat of the Swedes at the Neva in 1240. Later, he led a campaign against the invading Teutonic and Livonian Knights. His uh, exploits were known principally through brief poems from the late 13th and early 14th century. Alexander was canonized by none other than Ivan the Terrible in the 16th century. (gasps) So... I wonder if these things are connected. Yes, by one man. Uh, so, mm. socialist realist literature is a thing that I was wondering about because, like, why? Uh. Are, so, why are these movies like? Why are these types of stories being picked? Like, why? Like, it's one of those things yeah. that, like, if you look at um, even in like China, where like they're mm-hmm. the movies that you're allowed to make in China still is like you have to make historical films essentially. So like John Woo just started making historical dramas set removed from contemporary yeah. times because that's a safe place. You can lionize the great history of China. And this was happening mm-hmm. in the 30s where it's like, hmm, we don't want to tell stories about now. We'll, we have to like implant our ideas into the, the masses and like say, look, this is the direction that Russia was always heading. And it's all about sacrifice. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is like the, the idea was like going to the past, looking for these mm-hmm. folk heroes from Russia's like uh, iconography and stuff like that, and just present his like, look at this story, his parallels to now. <laughs> look at the, the goddamn Germans are coming. We, we ought to be ready to throw down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one other bit here Eisenstein's script of Nevsky uh, concluded, the original script concluded with Alexander's attempt to deceive the Mongols into believing that he would join them as he is invited to do in the film's second scene. But uh, he, so he's poisoned, though. He dies and is celebrated by the peasants. But Stalin eliminated the ending. Such a good prince <gasps> must not die. The implications were not lost on the director, as nice. it was clear that Stalin identified with Nevsky being a uniter of the people and fighting off foreign forces. Eisenstein compared his protagonist to the greatest strategist in world history, Stalin. Whoa. So uh, Stalin was indeed invested in Eisenstein in film and like the, the way that uh, his legacy would play out. And uh, that would, of course, tie into the, the next couple movies we're, we're going to be talking about here. Mm-hmm. Hey RJ, you want you want you want to talk about those movies now? Uh, or you got any last thoughts here about Nevsky? No, uh, I liked it, man. I didn't think I would, but uh, I, I did. It It was pretty good. <laughs> you went in with low expectations, and you came out being like, "That was nice." Yeah, I thought it was a cool movie, man. Yeah, like in some ways, uh, watching three movies like this for like one week, it kind of was making me think of the uh, Samurai trilogy. Yeah, and um, but I think that these kind of work better than. Uh, those movies surprisingly mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. all right so uh on to ivan the terrible part one uh so this movie came out in 1944 mm-hmm. uh another synopsis another helpful synopsis from uh our good friends at letterboxd <laughs> sergey eisenstein's final film 
This is the first part of a three-part biopic of Tsar Ivan Grozny, which was never completed due, again, to producer dissatisfaction with Eisenstein's attempts to use forbidden experimental filming techniques and excessive cost overruns. Oh, that's a really cool movie. Um, And then it goes on to talk about the second part, and it's like history, not at all describing the plot of the fucking movie. Um, Yeah. Classic letterboxed. Um, So anyway. Yeah. So Ivan the Terrible is another story. Uh, This one is set in the 16th century as opposed to the 13th century with uh, our pal Alexander Nevsky. Uh, And it's the, Uh it tells the, the, the rise and reign uh, and doesn't ever get to the fall of uh, Ivan the terrible, Mm -hmm. uh, which I imagine, I don't know if that like name pops up in the Russian version of it. Cause you're like, wait, what's so terrible about this guy? I thought he was a good man, but Uh I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Anyway, uh, Ivan just becomes ruler, and one of his things is we got to get Russia united. Everyone's got to fall in. All these like minor lords, the boyers, which oh boy, you will get to know that word watching these movies. Um, these scheming little selfish princes who un- under- undermine the greatness of Russia, they don't like this Ivan guy's attitude, and they don't like that he's making people give up all these things, and he's playing to the the masses that obviously want to throw themselves behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's schemings, there's uh, uprises, there's battles to be fought. Uh, Ivan goes and fights valiantly, very Nevsky style. Uh, he comes back, he gets ill on the way back. We have a very prolonged death scene that turns out <laughs> not to be uh his death scene oh it's so good that's the best part of any movie i've ever seen i'll talk about it later keep going okay uh and then i don't know he, he everyone thinks he's dying everybody's conspiring and plotting their own way of like what's going to happen after he's dead but fake out he's alive but he's kind of mm-hmm. a little bit more worse for wear he's a little bit more paranoid and getting a little weird and mm-hmm. uh yeah he, he he seals the deal and uh he just continues on and the movie kind of leaves on that note of uh, him uh, being in power, and then the second movie continues that on. But we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. Sure. So, um, wow, uh, the scale of this movie is, like, ridiculous. Like, the the, uh-huh. the, the rooms, the chambers, the costumes is yep. so awesome. Uh, <laughs> this actually reminds me a lot of, like, Jodorowsky's, like, Dune stuff. And like yeah, yeah. what what um like even with, with David Lynch's uh, Dune stuff, it's like the mm-hmm. the, the uh, operatic level of everything is just like crazy. Um, yeah, I guess like this is kind of also a complaint, I guess, uh, especially more with the second movie is like with like Russian culture seems so alien to like the Western tradition. When you're watching mm-hmm. this stuff, it's really easy to get lost and like really not grasp what's going on because of its Russianness mm-hmm. because like, we're not really taught Russian history and a great deal in uh, Canadian schools. I remember we did get, there was a Russia unit in like social studies mm-hmm. and I, I vague, I remember czars and I remember like Rasputin and uh, like the, uh, the Soviet mm-hmm. uh, rebellion and like Bolsheviks, but like this, like pre like 19th century, it gets a lot foggier and I'm like, uh, it's yeah. What they teach you is mostly like communist stuff, like the uprising there. Mm. Uh, I remember in grade eight, uh, I did a report on Russia and, um, I drew a picture of a bear and it just said, don't mess with Russia. Uh, I got, I got a thumbs up from my, my teacher. Wow. <laughs> Cause great grades aren't real anymore. So they, they said, good job. You nailed it. Yep. 
Um, what were you talking about? Uh, how this movie reminds me of like like space operas and like oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, European graphic novels, Jodorowsky mm-hmm. comics, like Meta Barons or uh, The Incall, which I'm sure they're drawing up like the artists working on that stuff, like Mobius or whatever. They are drawing on this sort of like art history references and probably looking at this type of stuff when they want to depict right. like, wow, look at this crazy large scale world. It, it looks like um, like heavy metal covers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, and once again, we get the awesome Russian chamber choir music stuff, like that just great sound that, yep. like, uh, I don't know, I don't know, it's like something I associate with Russia, and it sounds so great, and it's neat to hear it in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boyers, I made just an ex- <laughs> in all caps, because you will read that word a lot. Um, uh-huh. Particular is it's the subtitle for the second movie, which is the plot of the Boyers. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is about uh, the appeals of communism and why communism is great without actually explaining why communism is great other than we should be like doing all these things to help the state and yep. just give up all sense of self and just fall in and it'll be work out perfectly for everybody what's the why why would you even question that exactly well, that's that's yeah. that's exactly right comrade um, yeah mm-hmm. so there's like the other thing with this movie uh, is just awesome close-ups and the makeup. It's like shot like a silent movie, but everyone's still talking. You can hear them, but like the everyone looks like has like each house of the Boyers, I guess, have a look, so you know wh- which each member uh, belongs to. Like each yeah. group, like there's like the bowl cut gang. There's like yeah. the, there's like the flamboyant like kind of like overly the fur dressed coat gang. The fur coat gang. Yeah, like, everyone's yeah. everyone's got a look, so you kind of know yep. who you don't know who anyone actually is, but you know that you, you see like their representative scheming, and you're like, oh, okay, that's mm-hmm. their house because everyone looks the same. It's, like I said, it's like Dune. <laughs> Um, yeah. So that stuff is like again, like Nevsky. Like the my biggest takeaway from this these movies is just the visuals and like I wish right. that movies like even tried to like emulate the the the, the, the scale and like design of these movies. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, once again, open fields, battles, and sieges occur. Um, yeah, I mean. This is very much like an action adventure historical drama. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's, it hits all those th- sorts of things. Uh, it's cool. It's 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 okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. That the deathbed scene is amazing. Long. Um, uh-huh. And then there's like yeah the 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 thing that I, you see constantly in these movies is the upturned head and faces. It's all oh, very yeah. heroic and dramatic. Um, yeah. So I Jared was, Jared acted that out. Yeah. They they can't they can't see what you did, but yeah. he's got his chin turned up. Point it's very out. very like Mussolini. I know that's a different country, but yeah. that's what it looks like. Yeah. It's yeah. uh yeah. There you go. So yeah, I'm there real, you go. I was like outside of the visual stuff like that, I don't really know. I'd have to watch this movie again if I yeah. ever do that to like really know kind of what was going on. Cause for the most part I was like, what's this movie about? Yeah. It's a good thing. It looks so good. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. like there's times RJ, it kind of falls into that Henry the fifth range. Uh, a few, a little bit. There yeah. are a few times that it does. So uh, RJ, what did you think of uh, I, I T one? I, I T T yeah. part one. Yeah. Um, well, uh, coming off hot of Alexander Nevsky, I watched this and Ivan the Terrible One in the same day. Yeah. Uh, and because I was so surprised by Alexander Nevsky, because uh, when I went into it, and Andrew was like, "What's your criterion this week?" 
And I was like, a black and white Russian movie from the 30s? <laughs> and she was like, fuck no. Uh, and then I watched uh, the first one. I was like, ooh, man. I was like, that was a hot-ass flick. Uh, and I told her about it, and she's like, that sounds cool. She's like, I'll come watch the second one with you. Or she's like, I'll try. And uh, I think it really works to our benefit uh, because we had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, because not in like a mean-spirited way or anything like that, but there was just having someone there to bounce things off of, mm-hmm. I think really improved or really kind of made our, uh, the viewing more pleasurable, if that makes sense. Uh, so the aforementioned, uh, death scene, uh, was, I thought it was so fucking funny. And, and uh, because he's like <laughs> pretending to die, but he's like watching everyone in the room. And yeah. it's so like obvious that his eyes are like, there's a scene where they cover his face with a book and then his head peeks down a little <laughs> bit and he's just looking around. He's like, is anyone watching? <laughs> And uh, it's so fucking funny, and I was laughing quite a bit. <laughs> and uh, Andrea was kind of feeding off of my laughter, and she she was kind of getting into it too. So not like we weren't like making fun of it or anything like that. It was just we were having a lot of fun watching this movie. Um, so I actually like this one too. Uh, okay. I don't think it's as good as the yeah. first one, uh, but uh, there there's definitely some lulls. Uh, so a good a good uh, way to say that is there's at least 20 minutes of this movie where andrea was just checked out on her phone Mm -hmm. uh until i would like tap her and i'd be like look at this look at this uh stuff like that um but i think this movie is pretty cool too uh because of like what you were saying uh all the sets and stuff are so like fancy and all their wardrobes and design is so cool uh, like you were saying, all the cool clans, like uh, the Bullcut clan, and then there's the the fur coat babies. Uh, it's like fur on the top quarter, and then the rest of it is like a nightgown, and it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. But those are really cool too. And then you have like the weird uh, monks that are creepy in their cloaks. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, one thing that I found really off-putting, <laughs> and uh, I was glad Andrea was there because she kind of explained it, was... Everyone looked like their fucking eyes were painted on, like oh. on their eyelids. I was like, why is everyone's eyes look like that? Because I, I swear, uh, in one of the first scenes, like when he's anointed in gold or something, uh, it looks like he has eyelids paint or eyes painted on his eyelids. Yep. And I was like, what is that? And uh, Andrea kind of explained to me how it, it's like a lining thing they did underneath, like they put white under there or something. That was what she thought it was, at least. Hmm. So uh, I don't know. I thought that was pretty crazy. Um, uh, that's cool. Uh, no, yeah, this one was neat. Because um, it's really like, it's like a soap opera almost. It's like super dramatic and like over the top. And this is kind of a comment on the uh, on part two as well. But I, I think it's really fun how um, like elaborate his schemes are. To like it, like his elaborate reenactments of things to like trick people into saying what their true intentions are. Mm-hmm. Like he he fakes he, that he dies. He's like, I want to see who like really thinks I'm dead. Mm-hmm. See what they do with that. Who'd really fall? And, who'd really like go in behind yeah. my son? If, but, yeah, yeah. And it's like it's stuff like that still happens. You know, like people do shit like in political people do like things like that all the time. But it just seems so like uh like fantastic and like over the top i was like this is really fun I was like, this is a cool movie this ivan the terrible mm-hmm. 
So uh, I I enjoyed it. Um, the hairstyles are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's as good as the first one. But I didn't mind watching it. Mm-hmm. I would maybe watch it again in like ten years when I'm like eighty. Yeah. And like real old. A, a grandpa. Yeah, grandpa movie. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Like, pretty much. It's uh. Again, like all like the production stuff, the cinematography, yep. composition stuff. It's all there. Still, it looks incredible, but. Just like on a story wise, it's like it very much is like, oh, this is the first part of the story. And it's not like mm-hmm. the, a good first part of the story, like, say, Fellowship of the Rings, like something like that, oh, where it's on. like where it's like a complete story. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's got a beginning, middle and end. And you're like, oh, what happens next? It's not structured yeah. that way. It's just not that type of story. It's, but it's kind of like, oh, this is like part one of a th- like the, it's the first act, um, mm-hmm. which we never will get the third. Um so uh, a couple of notes from that book again. Uh, mm-hmm. Same kind of deal of Nevsky, uh, forging a Soviet-era cinema for the masses and for the audience of one because you're making your movies at the end of the day for Stalin. If Stalin doesn't like your movie, you're not going to be making movies anymore. Uh, so star, so Tsar Ivan IV was a favorite of Stalin, and a lot of material was being generated as the history of Ivan the Terrible was being shaped to fit into contemporary times. Uh, a great man who united Russia and would be undermined by boy around him so i mean that that like that aspect is like one of the uh ongoing stories of like mm-hmm. soviet russia if you recall is like pr- the purges that would happen yeah. because you can't trust anybody and so it'd be like i don't trust the people around me so we're just going to liquidate them and so this mm-hmm. is like the boyers are very much in that line of like hey you guys better be careful otherwise bad things are going to happen to you uh, underneath me, like your your ministers, everybody, like these are. This is like the paranoia that uh, it's being alluded to. Um, but of course, uh, one of the issues when you're telling a story about a guy named Ivan the Terrible is how do you present him as a historical prefiguration of Stalin, the guy you're trying to like portray as the hero of the story. So, yeah. so uh, Eisenstein's idea, I guess, is that like. And drawn. This is like not just his idea, but drama thrives on imperfections in a character and mm-hmm. their gaps in knowledge. And so your your idea here is like you, you want a progressive hero, but mm-hmm. you also have to have like someone that people can get behind and not be like perfect. So what he decides is like, okay, he's a guy who's going to make some tough decisions, but he's going to suffer nobly while doing these bad things. So there's going to be like, I had to order this guy's death. Ah, I got, I'm going to suffer nobly about it. I'm going to feel real bad about this. And so you present it like that, even though I'm sure Stalin did not <laughs> not worry. He didn't worry about it. He didn't sweat the details. He killed like millions of people. He, he didn't he, fucking he, care. Well, there's like the, the classic Stalin face of him sitting back and like hands kind of just resting on his chest and just like yeah. smiling beneath his mustache. And it's like, yep, he's suffering nobly. <laughs> he's like, I got to make these big decisions. I'm the leader. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, there's a bit more of that here of Ivan the Terrible, but as the films would go on and like the paranoia and weirdness of him, like as he like literally like twists and like like turns from this being like like a, a very clean cut Nevsky like figure to like mm-hmm. snarly wizard man, um, yeah, it kind of plays out. And so when we get to part two, uh, which I guess uh, amongst the uh, politicized Russian intelligentsia, uh, it was denounced <laughs> as Hamlet like. 
which was a uh, a long-standing term of abuse. It was not good to be Hamlet-like. It's like, uh, oh, that's not that, good. That, no, it's that English shit. That's uh, that uh, we, we, we don't we don't need that Shakespeare flawed character crap. That tragedy bullshit in our Russian cinema and our Russian plays. So it was poo-pooed. Uh, this type of storytelling. Um, any other? Keep, uh, keep going. That's that's about it for here. And then we'll talk about Ivan the part two. Uh, any other thoughts? No, um, I enjoyed it because I, me, uh, Andrew and I had fun watching it. Um, Riff tracksing it. Yeah. Kind of, well, not really. Like, you know, I, I've talked about it before. I don't really like that stuff because yeah. it's like, I don't like making fun of movies or they make fun of movies that I actually like. Uh, and I, we did like it. It was just, it was fun to watch together because we're like, Whoa, what's going to happen next? <laughs> I think that's fair though. These stories aren't yeah. super deep and you can kind of like laugh at sort of like the oddness of it. Cause you're in the yeah. privacy of your own home. You're not in the theater watching it with a bunch of people who are like Eisenstein heads. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't yeah. like record my feelings about it to On be you, listened you, to yeah, by you, other you people. Don't, you don't, uh, uh, twitch it out and yeah. live stream it and for, donations yeah so no yeah i i thought this one was uh like i enjoyed watching it i don't think it's as good but uh sure you know it okay. you could watch this one too if you were interested okay okay keep so, on rolling part two and our yeah. third movie and final film uh ivan the terrible part two from 1958 hmm i thought oh. sergey eisenstein died in 1948 how is this being so how this, is this mean? This is the second part of a projected three-part epic biopic of Russian czar Ivan Grozny, undertaken by Soviet filmmaker Sergei Eisenstein at the behest of Joseph Stalin. Production of the epic was stopped before the third part could be filmed due to producer dissatisfaction with Eisenstein's introducing forbidden experimental filming techniques into the material more evident in this part than the first part. As it was, this second part was banned from showings until after the deaths of both Eisenstein and Stalin and a change of attitude by the subsequent heads of the Soviet government. In this part, as Ivan the Terrible attempts to consolidate his power by establishing a personal army, his political rivals, the Russian boyars, plot to assassinate him. Hey, that sounds like they tried to actually talk about what the movie was about. Yeah, at the very end there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I watched these movies over the course of three days. I paced myself. I watched one the Friday night. I watched one mm-hmm. the Saturday morning and I watched the one next one on the Sunday afternoon. Good call. Um, I knew otherwise it'd be tr- tricky and I still managed to watch a whole mm-hmm. bunch of movies. It was a cool week. Uh, so this one is the, like the plot of the boyers. So, Hey, <sighs> you thought the boyers were done in that first movie? No, they're back. It's it's just like Empire Strikes Back, but with the boyers. <gasps> oh um, shit! So anyway, uh, this is getting a little more formal now. Those uh, forbidden experimental filming techniques are definitely making their way more into this movie. Um, and uh, I have in all caps here the note of extravagance. As this mm. movie really starts pushing like the the crazy costumes and design aspects of the movie, even though like this movie is way more uh, in, interior. Like there's no because at least in the in Ivan the Terrible Part One, there's like the, the action sequence where he goes out into the world and he fights a battle, and you get like the awesome shots like again out. Like, that's like where I think Eisenstein's biggest strength is is shooting out in the outdoors. Uh, when mm-hmm. he's shooting indoors. And in this particular thing, it's very repetitive. Um, 
So this movie really dresses down the decadence of the West. Like it, it essentially opens up with this scene of like all these like fancy dressed, uh, I guess like they're Polish uh, people mm-hmm. just luxuriating around being very not Russian, not good communists. They're very um, uh, much into material wealth. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like kind of like all the classic exa- like images of like rich people doing bad things. But here, yeah. like, th- this is like in Russia, you'd be like, well, see, we don't want to be like that at all. Um, so yeah, I don't know. In this story, Ivan has really gone to seed. <laughs> like he's getting haggard and like gnarled up. Um, mm-hmm. and again, the, you know, it's just, that's, that's the story. That's all you get for the entire like hour and a half of this kind of like incomplete version of the movie in some ways. Maybe it's like yeah. assembled after the fact. So I don't know if we're watching like the real finished product of the movie. Cause it was actually like was made in like 1944 when the other movie was released, but it was shelved mm-hmm. and that was it. And that was the end of this movie's uh, <laughs> uh, history until way later uh, with Khrushchev uh, running things. But yeah, the costumes and production design this are amazing. The cinematography is amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. Russian history doesn't get any more less alien to me uh it's it seems very <laughs> archaic and strange and i'm like god who are who are all these characters there's so many names being dropped there's got to be a more coherent way to like uh deliver this information uh, mm-hmm. which is like always like i remember um like with game of thrones like i think that show does a pretty good job of like streamlining a lot of stuff but like when you start reading the like the backs of those books and you start looking at the lineages of things, you're like, holy crap. And it's mm-hmm. really good that when they did the TV show, they just threw out a lot of that. Cause you're like, yeah, you don't need to know that. You don't need to know that. Uh, this movie yeah. at times just feels like it's bogged down with the history it's depicting and not really knowing what it wants to do. Um, yeah. And there's just like a good half hour of plotting in this movie where it's just like, kind of like the deathbed scene where it's just like, Oh, there's like, the, the, it's just them having conversations about, should we do this? Shouldn't we do this? I don't know. I don't know if I feel we should do this. Are we justified in doing this? And then we get some like before that. There's like flashbacks. It's kind yeah. of a mess of a movie. Uh, and then you know, RJ, when I was watching yeah. this movie, uh, when I was watching part one and half of part two, I was like, man, imagine if this was shot in color. Like just like mm-hmm. fuck, it would be ridiculous. Like if this was shot in like Technicolor. And like took full advantage of like the ridiculousness of like those the, the colors of those costumes yeah. we're seeing. This movie would be incredible. And then yeah. out of nowhere, this movie turns to color, and I'm like, "Whoa! Mm-hmm. Oh, wicked! Wait, this is like not real color. This no, is like sepia. This is like weird sepia tones and stuff like that. Oh, why does everything look so ugly now? Oh, mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to black and white." It looks so much better, and then like we the entire like this whole sequence that's in pseudo color of like w- he's trying to poison Ivan the Terrible, of this mm-hmm. his aunt's son, his nephew or cousin or whatever, and it's like oh my god, and I lose total interest. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, so Ivan the Terrible Part Two is not so great. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, something is lost. Uh, and just like, I don't know. It's hard to, like, it's hard to even judge this movie because it seems like, I don't know if this was his finished movie or it was just like how much of it was buried, but I found found it to be very unsatisfying compared to the other two. RJ, what did you think of Ivan the Terrible Part 2? I think that's a a way people describe uh, this podcast is very unsatisfying compared to the other. When we get to the actual reviews. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, this one's not great. Uh, I didn't really like it. Um, Andrea watched the first half of it with me, like the first 40 minutes maybe. And uh, even she was like, uh, this one's not very good. And she just got up and left like halfway through. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Um, <clears throat> so Alexander Nevsky I thought was great. I was surprised. I really liked it. Uh, Ivan the Terrible one. Uh, we enjoyed watching it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, Ivan the Terrible part two. I think what you said is probably accurate. Like something got lost. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. Like it just, it's got all the same stuff. It mm-hmm. just doesn't. Uh, it's just not as good. Yeah. It's just not as good, <laughs> and it's kind of a bummer because it's like I was saying. Like I actually like the fir- uh, the first two out of these. So. It was uh, when this one finished, I was like, oh, man. I was like, well, that sucks. Mm-hmm. I was hoping I would get a third banger out of this. but The two towers. Yeah, exactly. Is, is this what we're doing now is comparing uh, Lord <laughs> of the Rings? Hey, I never told you in the preamble. Uh, I am actually reading uh, Lord of the Rings right now. Oh, why? Yeah. Well, whatever, okay? I've never read it, and I want to because I'm going to watch those at new christmas so <laughs> shut up uh shut up jared um yeah number three's okay the color scene is weird mm. um it seems like the out color of place scene the like the color scene the, the sequence the endless yeah. sequence yeah the endless sequence yeah and that dancing goes on for fucking Ooh, ever see, i it's like a full 10 minutes it, it honestly this this part for me is a total blur like yeah i just was like not involved in any of this uh it's not great man no it's 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 not great it's yeah i mean it's part of the it's a compromise but it's a compromised vision so it's like hard to like yeah like hold it against it be i'd be like yeah you i mean you should probably watch it if you're like into eisenstein stuff absolutely Mm -hmm. you should check it out but like man i don't know it's, it makes it hard to recommend. Oh, you should watch Ivan the Terrible. Like, either of them. It's yeah. like, uh, watch Alexander Nevsky. Watch uh, Battleship Potemkin. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably watch Strike. But I don't know. This, these are like, yeah, they're deep cuts, in my opinion. But it's funny. Uh, Roger Ebert, uh, I was reading his, like, great movies review of this. And he was, like, even kind of like, yeah, these are movies you watch once. Like, they're things that you, you need to <laughs> yeah. get You need to get out. No one loves these movies. They're not great movies by any means. Uh, like, they're, yeah. like, they're, like, just, like, these great pieces of cinema that are, like, great examples of cinema and filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Let's check out maybe, RJ, who hates these movies. All three of them? Yeah. Surely you jest. Well, I don't. I take my job very seriously. Yeah. Uh, the, the lowest rating on all these movies is by this guy by the name of Dave Mello. And mm-hmm. uh, his lowest rating goes to Alexander Nevsky. <laughs> half oh. A, yeah, he gives it a half star. It could not stand the test of time. What? Yeah. <laughs> It's not enough to go off of, man. Yeah, but all all his reviews, like I think he liked them more as they went on, which is strange. Uh, that's the opposite. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he doesn't like any of them. But that's enough for him. Uh, Cosmic Monkey. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, one star for uh, Alexander Nevsky. As a piece of anti-fascist, anti-church, anti-bourgeois, <laughs> pro-military, nationalist propaganda, it's phenomenal. But as a piece of art and entertainment viewed through a modern lens, it's pretty atrocious. There's repetitive, boring scenes, sound design years behind what Hollywood was making at the time, cardboard characters with no development, and a script so over the top in its message and tone that it actually becomes laughably bad at times. Haha. <laughs> you got him, man. You really stuck it to this old Russian dude who's dead. Yeah, Eisenstein. More like Stein. Rise and Shine, am I right? <laughs> like wake up and make a better movie. Leonardo gave Ooh. uh Ivan two stars. Um Adventures in Sight and Sound Box Checking number fifty one. I have liked every movie in the Sight and Sound 250 up to this one. Even with my least favorite, Duck Soup, it was possible to see why it was considered an envelope-pushing landmark, and my reservations mostly stem from the inevitable subjectivity of humor and all that. Furthermore, both of Sergei Eisenstein's films I'd seen before, Battleship Potemkin and Strike, I consider towering masterpieces, especially the latter, which still ranks high among my all-time favorites. So by all accounts, I should have at least tolerated this film. I don't know what happened exactly. I had no reason to be predisposed against it, nor am I usually one to feel impatient when things take a minute to happen in Mm -hmm. old classics. But this, oh lord forgive me, this was just so mind-numbingly boring. Never mind the fact that all the actors deliver their lines in a stagey, belabored manner, taking long breaks between... Sentences for reasons that never become clear. Never mind the lack of tonal variation, or more accurately, the lack of a tone. At least one I could, for the life of me, make out amid all the portentously pretentious portent infesting every scene and every line of dialogue. Never Mm. mind the scraping of the tempestuous editing of Eisenstein's previous films in favor of a fixation with long, virtually inert takes that all but beg you to zone out. What angered me the most, and I do mean angered, (laughs) hence the two stars, is that the film never puts in the slightest bit of effort to get you to care about anything that's happening in it. It seems to come from a place of superiority almost, like the history of its depicting is so serious and important that you just have to suck it up and pay attention whether you like it or not. By this, I don't mean that I wanted the movie to hold my hand or that I wanted a conventionally satisfying narrative or even that I wanted to be entertained. I just wanted some kind of stimulus, some reason to stop watching other than the obligation to finish it. I just wanted something. This film was, to me, a parade of things happening because they were happening, the only saving grace being that the way they looked whilst happening was kitschy and idiosyncratic and vaguely homoerotic enough to hold some sensory allure. Maybe it's just a matter of taste, an extension of my problem with solemn historical dramas. Maybe it's not. Whatever the case, here's hoping part two is better. (laughs) Jeez. Jeez Louise, Jared. It's what's awesome about that. It's like I was reading it and I'm like, I don't know what movie he's even talking about. <laughs> like No, it, you don't. It's an Eisenstein uh, movie. All, but like there's like all, no reference at all to the movie. It's just like his rant this it's it's incredible. Yeah, but all he even talks about is like other things where he's like, I these are my favorite movies. And this is why I think those movies are good. Mm. It's like he doesn't talk about it at all. No. What a jerk. <laughs> 
Uh, and then here, S.J. Honeywell gives Ivan the Terrible Part 2 one star. Part 1 is pure shit. Part 2 is not much improved. Silly and stupid. Well, hey, at least they didn't fucking drone on for like eight days about mindless bullshit that no one cares about. Like, ugh. Ugh. Gross. Yeah. So, mm. RJ, uh, Yo. that's it for those three movies. Uh, you gonna When are you going to watch Battleship Potemkin? Probably never. Oh. Why is it any good? I think as a person who does a film podcast. No, come on. But That's see, the important. problem is they're, they're from the, it's currently housed by the competition, Kino. Uh, so uh, I guess uh, until we start a uh, Kino Creeps uh, podcast, I guess it's mm-hmm. off, it's off guard. You can't touch it. It's bad news. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to bother. But, uh, you know, I don't care about important movies. That's not my role in this. No. I'm just here to make fart and butt jokes. Watch Lord of the Rings. Watch Lord of the Rings. Mel Gibson. And give, you know, the everyman's opinion on this stuff. Old uh, Joe Lunchpail. Joe Lunchpail. By the way, speaking of Joe Lunchpails, have you seen this picture of Eisenstein on Letterboxd? (laughs) It is fucking out of control. He looks like Jimmy Neutron. He looks like Eraserhead. Yeah. Yeah, I know. What a cool dude. Yeah. Neat. Okay. I think that's it, pal. Yeah, I think so. We did it. Well, we tried. Uh, after the break, we're going to unite Canada and rule with a iron fist. But you got that right. I don't what? know how long RJ's going to last. Man, I will take you out poisoned style. Yeah, you and what Boyer? That really fancy one who's like kind of looks pretty feminine. You're you're kind of on your way to the bowl cut in that beard. Hey, this is an intentional look. My my stylist did this intentionally. Is that the Caesar? The say it's the Caesar, Caesar. the guy who, yeah, the guy who talks to the dogs. Isn't uh, that the dog whisperer or whatever? Yeah, it is. Caesar, yeah, that's Caesar Milan. Beautiful. What's up? Outstanding. From Russia. Love, I fly to you much wiser since my goodbye to you. I've traveled the world to learn I must return. When you die, is your death going to be a prolonged death scene? Fuck yeah. It's going to be like fake for the first half, but it'll be so long that I'll actually die at the end. Excellent. Yeah. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us how long you're going to take to die. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube where you can check out the review only form of the show. Um, which doesn't have all our witty banter, so what's the point of that? Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, RJ, 
we still got that Patreon going. And just like the other day, we got our first uh, payment out of that bad boy. Really? Yeah. So do I get a, uh, do I get a slice of that? No. Um, that, 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 that all goes to our good friends at SoundCloud. Oh, okay. Still a couple bucks away from uh, sealing that up, and then we're, we're, we're breaking even. We're, we're, we're just fucking rich now. Uh, so, nice. yeah, if, if you haven't already, you could uh, kick a couple bucks our way, and if not, maybe uh, send us a, a nice email or, like, a mm-hmm. review over on iTunes or whatever the fuck you're listening to us on. I heard that helps. It it, it does. That's uh, what they say. Yeah, when you need to search for stuff, like we gotta make sure we pop up there because mm-hmm. uh, we're getting buried by other shows that also call themselves Criterion Blank. But uh, yeah. we're getting better. We're getting better. Mm-hmm. Longevity. We're we're sticking it out. We're cl- we're mm-hmm. getting up there. Uh, yeah, we're on SoundCloud and Stitcher and iTunes and all that fun stuff. Next week, spine number eighty nine, <laughs> sisters. Directed by one Brian De Palma. Oh, is that that guy who made that movie about those people? Yeah, it's got that Margot Kidder in it. It's Lois Lane herself. Lois Lane. Some other creepy dudes. Creepy dudes? Yeah, oh yeah, one of my favorite creepy dudes Neat. in this movie, yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, and uh, I look forward to seeing it again. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we're actually we're moving into... Uh, the genre block that I thought we were getting to see when it was October this year, but I fucked up the numbering. But now we're getting to it. Well, yeah, because you don't take this very seriously. You fucking mess up all the time like some kind of animal. I know. I don't know what's wrong with me. You're a nerd. Forgive me. You're a nerd. So yeah, next week, RJ, sisters. 1972 or 3 depending on who you want to believe and uh, I might even watch the 2006 uh, remake who made that? I don't know even but it's supposed to be bad (laughs) I bet. Mel Gibson's not even in it so what's the point? Might as well give up buddy Yeah I know. Anyways uh, good night folks stay free from communism Comrade?